Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready? This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. See what happens now. It's a. Uh, I'm calling in from the cell phone. I don't know what the hell is going on. Maybe this works. I don't know if anybody can hear me. It is a nightmare. Slick, are you there? Yo. Yeah, I'm here, man. All right. Can everybody hear me in the chat room? Anyone? They hear you, man. All right. Dear Blog Talk Radio, before I proceed with this week's show, which is now 11 minutes late, I'd like to thank you cock-sucking fucks for fucking up my show for the second fucking week. Twice already. Twice. First, last week, you lose my fucking show. Completely. Then you decide to throw me a nugget of 67 fucking minutes. I said to myself... Hey, they're going to let it slide. It's going to be all good. Everything's going to be okay. Obviously, the fuck not. Once we are completed with tonight's show, I am going to unleash a hell of epic proportions. I'm going to shatter the fucking universe with rage. So with that, let's get into this week's show. I'm going to be joined tonight by Kevin Beard, who is host of VGN Radio, Medispective, The Oblast, Midwest Wasteland, and any other special project that Kevin does, he should be joining us hopefully in the 1130 hour if Blog Talk Radio doesn't fuck me again. Um, probably Don Anderson will be joining me, probably Larry Mack. Um, again, for those of you in the chat, I apologize. For those of you listening, I apologize. This is just utter shit. Uh, the rundown for some of tonight's topics. We're going to talk about Roger Huerta going to a new organization, Kung Lee's next opponent. For Strike Force. We're going to be talking about Quentin Rampage Jackson and Rashad Evans meeting at the next UFC event. Go into that. Jake Shields, free agent, possibly going to the UFC. We'll discuss that. Musasi is going to stay with the U- with Strike Force. He's not going to the UFC. He will be looking to re-sign April 17th. We're going to talk about who's hosting the disaster known as Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about some Hall of Fame inductees. Impact scores a repeat this week the status of Awesome Kong, and your video game and movie news. Nonetheless, I am utterly enraged, so let's get right into it, folks. Uh, First off, with some MMA news, Bellator Fighting Championships announced this week at a press conference that Roger Huerta, who is a former UFC lightweight, is uh, signing with them. That was actually finalized earlier this week. Roger Huerta was released from his UFC contract. Um, He had a really great run in the UFC. He secured six straight victories before losing to Kenny Florian at UFC 87. And Huerta's last contracted fight in the UFC was a losing effort to Gray Maynard at UFC Fight Night in September. 
Um, he publicly has been criticizing the UFC, and he was making a lot of demands in regards to his contract. These are all allegations. I'm not going to confirm or deny such things because I don't know the inner workings of the UFC. Nonetheless, you can see Roger in his acting debut in the Tekken film, which should be coming out later this year, and he has decided that he will continue to fight for Bellator Fighting Championships. Roger Huerta's comments were the following. He decided to go with Bellator because he said, and I quote, I've fought my entire life to get to where I am today, and this is a point where I honestly believe this is like a second chance for me. Bellator, for those of you that don't know, uh, uses a tournament fighting format, which is actually um, very unique, and they have some really great and talented fighters. I think that the um, inclusion of Roger Huerta into this particular organization would do them very well. Um, right now, he feels that, you know, he wanted to try something else, and he's looking forward to the competition that he'll be facing in the Bellator tournament. Nonetheless, I wish him the best of luck, and I will be watching his career at BFC with great interest. Moving on, Kung Lee, um, who last fought against Scott Hands of Steel Smith, um, it was actually questioned about possible rematches with either, with either Scott Smith or Frank Shamrock. Uh, CEO Scott Coker for Strikeforce said the following when he spoke to Kung Lee. Kung Lee said, and I quote, with the fight with, well, Scott Coker, excuse me, said, the fight with Kung Lee and Scott was an amazing fight. I know Kung Lee would like a rematch, and I'm sure Scott would like that fight again at some point as well. We haven't locked that down yet, but that will be determined soon. If that fight happens, it will happen in late June. When um, asked about Frank Shamrock fighting, he said, last time I talked to Frank, he was asking me if he could fight Kung Lee as well. So it looks like Scott Coker has a lot of things going on. One thing in particular that a lot of people were asking him about this week was about Jose Canseco fighting for the Strike Force organization. Of course, Strike Force is well known for having some really unique people fighting. Uh, one in particular, of course, is Herschel Walker. Uh, they've had Kim, well, Strike Force didn't have Kimbo Slice, but Elite XC did. Um, I think that Jose Canseco is a freak show, and bringing him in just sullies the integrity of your, of your organization. Nonetheless, when asked about it, Scott Coker said the following. I can tell you this. If Cesar Gracie says to me, Jose's training with me, I'm going to get him ready, and I'm going to do it in four or five months, and Cesar's telling me this, that will have a lot of weight on what we decide. Cesar Gracie has stated that he is not training a freak show. Cesar Gracie said the following. In regards to training Conseco, it's kind of a tough situation where I'm not his manager. I'm not trying to push for anything. I'm not trying to make a fight happen because I'm not a promoter. He feels that if Jose Conseco wants to train, he will be able to fight in a Challenger Series event before fighting Herschel Walker, which is something that he did not say would happen. Um, a couple of other organizations are interested in Jose Conseco, and, and I am meeting with them next week. Before I move on from this story, this is something that tends to get under my skin. And the fact of the matter is that these organizations, right now, of course, MMA is the, is the hot, you know, the hotbed of activity. It is, you know, the number one sport. And, of course, they have a lot to offer. Um, years ago, it was guys trying out for the NFL. Brock Lesnar, of course, was one of them trying out for the NFL when the NFL was the fad. Same thing with a lot of hip-hop artists trying out to play professional basketball, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. MMA, of course, is the big buzzword now in the sports world. So a lot of athletes 
feel that they can venture into that organization and try their hand at that. While I'm not against that, I personally feel that, you know, bringing a lot of these freak show fights in is going to sully the organization. The fact of the matter is that if Jose Canseco dedicated himself, because he is a martial artist, and actually took the time to study and learn MMA from soup to nuts, I have a feeling that um, he'd do well in any organization. But in terms of being on a main televised card for, for a big organization like Strike Force or the UFC, for that matter, or even Bellator is a step in the wrong direction, um, Jose Canseco, Herschel Walker, um, James, even James Tony, these guys should these guys should take the opportunity to assess the situation and realize that they're not that young. And even though they were dominant in the professional sports they played, them transcending and moving well, not even transcending, not even that. That's a poor word to use. Them deciding to migrate into the next big thing to make an impact when age is a factor and athletic ability is a factor is doing just a disservice to the sport and a disservice to their legacy. Jose Canseco is a guy, you know him as, you know, home run king, steroid allegations, the works. But all of that can go out the window and he can just be known as an athlete that gets his ass beat by legitimate fighters. I mean, by all means, if Jose Canseco wants to try, he's welcome to do it. But he shouldn't expect to be on any sort of a televised card considering that he has no legitimate MMA experience. Moving on, um, WEC 48, which is Jose Aldo versus Uriah Faber, will debut um, on April 24th on pay-per-view. This is going to be the first WEC event on pay-per-view. It's going to be $49.99, not a price I'm too comfortable with. But um, they will be doing a countdown to UFC four, I mean WEC 48, sorry. And that will debut April 21st at 4 p.m. And you can also see replays on April 23rd and April 24th as well. For those of you unfamiliar with the WEC, the WEC is a uh, sister promotion of the UFC. They have a lot of the smaller weight division, uh, bantamweights, uh, featherweights, I believe. I don't have all, all the weight limits in front of me. But nonetheless, um, they do have lightweights and featherweights, of course. And some of the fights that are on the WEC cards are just phenomenal. They got some really great athletes. And I actually feel that the WEC is a great um, farm system for guys that, you know, eventually plan on making the jump to the UFC. I definitely see Uriah Faber at some point fighting in the lightweight division in the UFC, as do I see uh, someone like Jose Aldo also there. Um, the card itself is just phenomenal from top to finish. I just don't feel, for me personally, um, that it's something I'd spend $50 on. I think if they would have made it 20 or 30 I would have felt more comfortable. But 50 bucks is a bit of a stretch. Nonetheless, here's the card. Jose Aldo is the champion. He will be defending against Uriah Faber the, for the featherweight title. Ben Henderson will be defending his lightweight title against Donald Cerrone. Uh, Mike Brown will be making his return to WEC with um, a fight against Manny Gambirian. Um, Anthony... Wow, I can't even say this guy's name. I guess it's Angel Kwani will be fighting Shane Roller, and Antonio Banuelos will be fighting Demacio Page. Overall, just a solid card. Honestly, just not something I'd drop 50 bucks on, and it's, it's really upsetting to me because I like supporting the WEC. They're a great organization. They have great fighters, but not for $49.99, unfortunately. Moving on, the UFC announced 
that UFC 114 is going to take place May 29th at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Vegas. Um, they will be having also the 2010 Fan Expo and recently announced Rashad Evans will be fighting Quentin Rampage Jackson in the main event. As of right now, this is the fights for this card. you got Rashad and Rampage for the main event. Forrest Griffin is going to fight Antonio Ruggiero Nogueira. Michael Bisping's fighting Dan Miller. John Hathaway will be fighting Diego Sanchez. That's a rumored fight, not confirmed. Young Young Kim will be fighting Amir Sadala. That's also not confirmed. The Bisping and Miller fight isn't confirmed either, and neither is the Griffin and Nogueira fight. These are all not officially announced fights yet. Um, on the preliminary card, there's some great fights as well. Melvin Gillard is on the card. Chris Lieben's on the card. Dan Lazan, Efrain Escudero, Luis Kane, uh, Jesse Forbes, of course, is on that card. These are all a lot of great fighters, and I'm really hoping that this is the legitimate card that I'm looking at because I will definitely be watching 114, and I hope that Rampage does his job and knocks Rashad the fuck out because I'm really not a fan of his. Uh, moving on. As I said in the beginning of the broadcast, there was a rumor that Jake Shields uh, may be going into free agency, and as such, uh, the proper course of action, of course, would be for him to go to the UFC. When asked about it, first question he was asked, according to MMA Junkie when he was on recently, was, is he happy with Strikeforce? His response was, I'm happy with Strikeforce. They've given me big fights like I've asked, so I'm happy with them. But also, I do want bigger fights. And, of course, the UFC has a lot of big fights as well. I try not to think about that too much. I'm just trying to get through Dan, who's his next um, opponent. This is the biggest fight of my career. I'll just get through that and then reevaluate the situation from there. You know, him fighting Dan Henderson is just a huge fight in and of itself. And for me personally, I think that that fight's going to really dictate the future for Jake Shields because if he beats Dan Henderson, there's really, honestly, that I feel nobody else he can fight. Uh, jump to the UFC at that point is, you know, just uh, a no-brainer. But he can hold on and ask for strike force to get better fighters. We'll see what happens. Or he can go up and wait if he's cleaned out his division and try and fight for another title and hold two belts. We'll see what happens. Nonetheless, he, when asked would he stay with strike force, he said, I like strike force as long as it's a good offer, and it looks like they're going to do, get some good opponents. I also want to fight top competition, so it's the combination of pay, exposure, and top competition. Those are the three things I'll make my decision off of. Another fighter who's also up for renegotiation is Gegard Mousasi, who also spoke to MMA Junkie. He said that he has one more fight left on his strike force contract, but he feels that they will be signing a new deal. When asked if strike force treated him well, he, he did state that they do. He feels like he's part of the family, and they also let him fight for the dream promotion, so he doesn't have a desire to go anywhere. Um, in regards to his fight schedule, he said he likes to keep busy, and next year he wants to take it easy and fight maybe three times a year, which looks to me like he's trying to go the Fedor route, which is one of those things which, hit or miss, I really don't think it's a good idea. I think that in order to keep the iron hot and the exposure out there, these guys should be fighting on a consistent basis. A guy wanting to fight three times a year is just ludicrous to me unless there's reasons for it. I think he should definitely be fighting more than three times. And it may just be that Strikeforce doesn't have an any, you know, name opponents for him. I mean, they have King Mo, who he's going to be fighting next. But after that, what is he going to do? What light heavyweights is he going to fight? Is he going to go up to heavyweight? Who knows? But with that, 
We're going to wrap up this week's MMA news, and we're going to head into a commercial break. BlackDuckingRadio.com. That's where you'll find our radio show. Rich, you dig it, don't you? Yeah, man. He digs it. How come you don't dig it? Fuck you. Get on the internet. BlackDuckingRadio.com. Rat bastard. BlackDuckingRadio.com. Extremely short commercial. We now return to your regular scheduled program, Mike Radio. Rich, take it away. All right, let's get into some wrestling news. Right off the bat, recently fired or recently released WWE diva Maria Kanellis has signed with HDNet, and she's going to be one of the newest members of the King of the Cage broadcast team. It was announced earlier on this week's Inside MMA program that Maria would be debuting at the next King of the Cage broadcast, and a press conference touting the signing is scheduled, well, was scheduled for Monday. Nonetheless, definitely a good move. I think Maria is a marketable personality. She has a really great personality. Her appearance on Celebrity Apprentice definitely is helping her, you know, her WWE career. Um, she's well-spoken, you know, easy on the eyes, of course, and she seems intelligent enough to be a welcome addition to the male-dominated broadcasting team that is part of King of the Cage. Nonetheless, definitely kudos to her for making it, and I wish her the best. Moving on, the, one of the next inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame is going to be none other than Bob Euchre. He will be inducted into the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame uh, this year. Odds are that he will be, his induction will be announced next Monday, well, this, this coming Monday, when Pete Rose hosts Monday Night Raw. Also, for that Monday Night Raw, they will be doing Triple H and Randy Orton versus Sheamus, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase, which I'm assuming is the main event for the evening. Of course, with Pete Rose hosting Raw, it's only a matter of time before there's an incident between him and Kane, and Pete Rose ends up getting hurt like he does every time he's on WWE programming. Nonetheless, I think it's cool that Bob Euchre's there. He's a been a part of some great wrestling moments. Uh, one in particular is with Andre the Giant choking him out. He's actually going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame by Dick Ebersole, who's the chairman of NBC Sports. Definitely a great class going in there this year. Of course, Stu Hart was announced this week when Stone Cold hosted Raw. And I actually think that Stu Hart has a rightful place there. I was expecting the Ultimate Warrior to be in the Hall of Fame this year, but Obviously, there's still some issues that haven't been handled. So, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be the Ultimate Warriors year this year. I'm definitely waiting for when they're going to put Macho Man in there. I really would like to see Macho Man Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame. He's had a lot of great contributions for the sport. And it's a shame he's not there, but who knows? There's a lot of unfounded rumors as to why he's not there. I'm not going to discuss them right now, but... um, there's definitely some interesting things and interesting reasons, allegedly, as to why he's not there. Moving on, last week, well, a few weeks ago, I was discussing Linda McMahon running for U.S. Senate, and according to the latest Quinnipiac University poll, Linda McMahon is actually in the lead. She, re- she came back from a 10-point deficit and is leading U.S. Representative Rob Simmons, 44 to 34%. It's definitely interesting because Linda McMahon, of course, is coming in. She has a lot of money behind her. She's the only Senate candidate on TV. Um, She's quickly becoming well-known and well-liked by Republicans. And it's really crazy that she may just beat 
a three-term congressman in Rob Simmons. Imagine that. Imagine a McMahon running government. It's, it's ridiculous. It's really crazy, but Linda McMahon isn't, you know, it's not like Vince is running for governor or something. You know, it's Linda McMahon. She's a businesswoman. She's eloquent. She, you know, she has a great background. Yeah, the WWE stuff slash WWF stuff is definitely going to put a little bit of a damper on her political aspirations. But nonetheless, I think that her doing something totally separate from the organization is great. Um, same thing with Shane McMahon. It, you really need just Vince running WWE. And, you know, at some point, Stephanie's going to take over with Triple H. It's, it's a fucking, it's a no-brainer. That shit's going to happen. So until then, though, Vince should really be the focal point of the organization. Linda and Shane and the rest of them, just stay off TV unless it's absolutely necessary for you guys having to be there. Moving on, Spike TV announced earlier this week that TNA Impact is going to be getting a replay. Um, of course, for, mo for those of you that don't know, TNA Impact moved to Monday nights to compete against WWF, well, WWE Raw. And as such, they decided at, at, you know, recently that they weren't going to do a replay on Thursday nights. But last Thursday night's replay had such great ratings that Spike decided to pull the trigger and do a replay on Thursday instead of airing a movie. I think this is great for TNA because a lot of the people that aren't aware of the TNA programming change can tune in on Thursday nights and watch some good wrestling. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of shit going on with Hogan and Bischoff, and it's not great. Don't get me wrong, it's not. Um, but what's been going on as of late is slowly trending in the right direction. I really feel that TNA would grow and benefit more from less Hogan, less Bischoff, more talent. I mean, you know, the Nasty Boys, they haven't been on TV as much. Eh, I, I, can, I can look past that. Um, the Foley skits are being kept to a minimum. Real wrestling is starting to take a foothold. There's a reinvigorated X Division that's definitely doing their job. I think overall they're doing a, a, just overall they're doing a solid job, but it's baby steps. It's one of those things where they can't go in there and expect to all of a sudden beat WWE in the ratings. It's not going to happen. I think it's just a small process that needs to be done in baby steps simply because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can't go crazy and oversaturate your product with veteran guys. People are going to get tired of that. But with their upcoming Destination X pay-per-view, it looks like TNA is trending in the right direction. As a matter of fact, here's the card for Destination X, which overall on paper looks pretty solid. Kevin Nash and Eric Young are going to be fighting Scott Hall and Sean Waltman. Uh, the stipulation for the match is that if Hall and Waltman win, they get TNA contracts, which is probably going to happen. There's going to be some shenanigans. Maybe Kevin Nash will turn on Eric Young and help that happen. Um, Kevin, Kevin Nash, actually, I can see it happening with him turning on Young and helping those two guys get signed, and this will all be a, a, a big farce. We'll see where that goes. Kurt Angle is going to be fighting Mr. Anderson, which is – going to be a great match. I think the promo work between those two has been fantastic, especially Mr. Anderson playing the bad guy. He's, he's just a good, smarmy douchebag, and you really want to see him get the, uh, you really want to see him get the shit beat out of him over the past few weeks. So I'm definitely looking forward to that match. The TA Knockouts title match is going to be Tara versus Daphne. Uh, the X Division title is going to be on the line when Doug Williams defends against Shannon Moore. 
Uh, the TNA Tag Team title match is going to be Matt Morgan and Hernandez against Beer Money. I definitely see um, Morgan turning on Hernandez to start a, a singles feud between them and Beer Money uh, getting the tag team title match. The latter match for a shot at the X Division title is going to have Kazarian, Daniels, Amazing Red, and Brian Kendrick. That match has four stars and crazy stuff written all over it. Definitely going to be great. Uh, the Ultimate X match, which is, of course, an X Division staple, is going to be the Motor City Machine Guns versus Generation Me, which is completely crazy. It's going to be solid from start to finish. And, of course, the TNA title match is going to be AJ Styles versus Abyss. I'm more than sure AJ is going to retain uh, due to shenanigans from Ric Flair. And the last bit of wrestling news is that Awesome Kong has finally been released from TNA due to her incident with Bubba the Love Sponge, which was unfortunate. And that, with a couple of other things, allegedly led to her release. It's unfortunate because she was one of the better performers in the knockout division. I sincerely hope that they reconsider and bring her back. She's a great asset. She's great at playing the dominant force. Um, odds are she may go to WWE, and then they may saddle her with some really shitty gimmick that's not going to be as cool as how she was in TNA. But who knows? And the last bit of information is that WWE recently imposed a ban on chair shots to the head due to concussions. Um, it seems that a recent study showed that a lot of those chair shots that people are taking were causing n numerous concussions. And, you know, there's a big spotlight on WWE about that, especially given the fact that after the study performed on Chris Benoit's brain showed all the brain damage he suffered but something tells me that in regards to Benoit's situation, it wasn't just chair shots. It was a combination of heavy drug use, surgeries, things of that nature. Nonetheless, we're going to take a commercial break. We're going to go into games, and we're going to start taking some calls, and I believe Kevin and Don will be calling in. So with that, let's take this quick commercial break. What if it's on tonight even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? Hey, this is Rachel from MMA Hot Stuff, and you're listening to My Take Radio. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some game news. Um, once everything gets it gets itself together on the switchboard, which is refreshing at the moment, because why wouldn't it decide to refresh right when I want to start taking calls? Nonetheless, to open up the game news, uh, last week I talked about the inclusion of Lady Gaga in Rock Band with four new tracks that were coming out, what, what were released on March 16th for the Wii and the 360 and March 18th today for the PS3. Those extra tracks were, um, well, no, the Lady Gaga tracks were released, whoops, and some extra tracks that got put out were It's Not My Name by Three Doors Down, Control by Mute Mask, Oh Yeah by The Subways, and Rock and Roll Queen by The Subways. That's joining the Lady Gaga so song pack that you can get on Rock Band as well. The songs are going to sell for $1.99 or 160 Microsoft points or 200 Wii points. Also, they announced some Rock Band network tracks, which are going to be in tiers of $1, 2 or $3, or 8160 
and 240 Microsoft points. The songs being the songs being made available are Moon Boy by the Dirty Love Band, Push Push, Bleeder, Cali Girl by Ballyhoo, Code Monkey, Makeup and Breakup, the original version by Super Gravity. They actually put some music from Flight of the Concords on there, Demon Woman, The Most Beautiful Girl, and also, did I miss one? Nope, that's it. They actually put a couple of songs from Flight of the Concords on there. So if you're a fan of that, definitely check that out over the next few days, and you can pick those up on Microsoft's Xbox Live service, Wii, or good old PS3. Um, let's see if we can actually start taking some calls. What do we got? What's You're up? on the air. What's up? It's Kevin and Don. Is this God? Is this God? <laughs> the voice What's of God going on, Kevin? Spoken. What's Too going much on, for us. We're, we're both on Skype calling in, so I don't know how good this is going to be. But Don, I guess his phone got... What happened, Don? Your phone got disconnected? I'm poor and I'm broke, and I didn't pay the bill. They sent me the message yesterday. They're like, if you don't pay your bill, we're going to set your phone off. I was like, all right. Got up today, texted someone, never got texted back for like hours, and then I finally tested the phone myself. I was like, oh, it got shut off. So, you're all right, Jason. Nice. That's Jason's listening, but, you know. Nice. That sucks. Yeah, so I get, I'll have it back on tomorrow. That's, not, that's no big deal. As you can see, uh, Blog Talk Radio proceeds to uh, give it to me with no lube this evening, and um, it sucks. And I know... Um, you're using their service too now, Kevin, right? Yeah, you know, I don't really have too many problems with it, but I do dial in with that BTR host too. I don't know if you use that or not. Um, that's like their secondary, and I always just use it as my primary to call in with because uh, the first one, the BTR host, used to just give me crap like you're getting, and so uh, I switched to BTR host too, and I, I don't have any problems anymore. That's so. weird. What is that like another type of a number that they give you? Because I only have one host number to dial in. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, well, right, when you use, like, Skype um, uh, to host, uh, you just add a BTR host to as a friend, not a number. You just add BTR host to as a friend, and then you just call that with Skype, and then it'll ask you for your host number, and you just use that. Don't call a phone number. Just call, just, just add that as a friend and use that. It's like a Skype-to-Skype -Skype call rather than a phone call. Ah, okay. So you're using uh, click to host from with Skype. Right, right. Oh, okay. Right. That's that's all right. I'll t I'll try that shit out next week. I um, I got the, you know I got a really nice mic and shit, man. I was all excited after last week's travesty, and you see where it went. Yeah, yeah. And their phone system sometimes gets all wacky. I don't know. You know how it is. You know better than I do, man. Oh yeah, and it's uh. <laughs> It's definitely rage-inducing. But uh, let's talk some games because I know that's what you guys are here for. But before we go into that, um, Kevin, by all means, let people know where they can catch all your shows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Video Game News Radio is the primary show. It has the most listeners anyway. Um, and you can find out all the information about uh, that as well as Midwest Wasteland, Kevin's Oblast Radio, and Cleveland Sports Radio if you're into that. Um, by going to videogamenews.com. And the first post on the front page, if you click on that, will tell you how to get all of the shows uh, that we do. Um, video, game news, uh, video Game News, the radio show, is the most popular. So start there and then uh, move on. Work, work your way back. Right. And Anderson, by all means. 
Hit him with it. Hit him with the one. She is Nizzle. Tuesday night, Blog Talk Radio. 10 to 11.30. Tumbling with Tumbleweed, TWT. Horns in the air. Let's get it. All right. All right, let's let's talk some games. Of course, um, we're, you know, first thing I opened the show with was a little bit of downloadable content, um, courtesy of Rock Band. Um, do either of you two guys uh, play Rock Band at all? Are you guys big uh, Rock Band gamers or... Is that something that you haven't added to your collection, Kev? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I don't play that. I mean, that's just oh. ridiculous. I, you're never going to play rock band or guitar here. You're never going to see me with a plastic guitar in my hands. It's never, ever going to happen. Never. I just want you to know. Never. Not a drum set, not a keyboard, nothing. No plastic instrument. Um. I mean, basically, it's, it's a combination of two things. I mean, first of all, I've had enough of, like, uh, growing up with Don Anderson here, uh, watching right. those guys play real instruments with dreams of becoming a rock star. So I have no dreams of, uh, or fantasies of ever, like, you know, living out some kind of, like, woo, I'm a rock star kind of thing. I, and uh, and secondly, um, I, I really think that those games are, are basically just like those pattern games that you played, like um, any, any of those things, like Dance Dance Revolution, Space Channel 5, you know, um, yeah, Frequency. Right, exactly. And I've played my fill of those, and I know that people go, well, this is more fun, it's got better music and everything. But, I mean, really, you know, that, that doesn't, I'm not, I'm not the music guy. Anderson might like it because he's, he's played guitar, but it's not me. It's not for me. You'll, you'll never see me doing that ever. Wow. What about you, Anderson? What, what's, your, what's your take on, on Rock Band and all the great, well, they are putting out great music, man, even though they're nickel and diming people to death with it. But what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's you know what? Um, I'm one of those video game players that I'll play anything. I think Kevin will attest to that. I mean, I'll pretty much play anything, and I can get into it, I guess. Uh, um, I never bought any of like the Guitar Heroes or the Rock Bands or none of that shit. Uh, I never really, I guess, I guess I never really played Rock Band, but I have played Guitar Hero, so I, I, that's the same thing, right? Pretty much. Yeah. I know it's not the same same thing, but you know what I'm talking about. There's a guitar and shit. Um, but when I played it, I never had the guitar. I just borrowed the game from somebody. And they were like, you want the guitar? And I was like, no, I don't want your guitar. I don't, I'm not worried about it. And I just use the regular controller. I just use, you know, you can just use regular buttons on a regular controller and do the same thing. Uh, so, I mean, and I, I you know, I, I play, I went through it once, listened to all the songs. You know, uh, I think I started, I think it was, I think it was Rock Band 2 that I started with. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, Guitar Hero 2. Uh, you know, you all, or whichever one ends with fucking Leonard Skinner. And uh, I, I played it all the way through, and then I went back and I was like, hey, maybe I'll play this song again. And then I got halfway through it, and I was like, I got it on CD. I mean, if I really want to hear the song, <laughs> you know. Nice. Otherwise, I mean, it's, it's, you got, I mean, because the game, the game has, it has like those, whatever, the fretboards that go off and, you know, music scales or whatever, that go off into the distance like Star Wars. And then they had the band rocking out in the background. Well, you never watch the band rocking out because you're too busy looking to see what the blue, red, green, or purple that's coming at you or whatever it is. So, okay, I, you know, I went through it all, and I was just like, so what's, what's the – I mean, all I'm doing is concentrating on the, on the colors. And then plus I'm using the controller, so I have to know if blue's left one or left two or right oh one God. or right – because I''t I'm not, I'm not color-coded. 
I have to remember it all. So, which makes it even, uh, which makes it a little bit different, you know, and maybe it makes it a little bit more difficult. I went over to my brother's house, and my nephew's like, come on, I'll challenge you with Guitar Hero. And I was like, all right, cool. And he handed me the guitar, and I was like, nah, give me a controller. Everybody in the room's like, what? <laughs> They're like, what? Well, you, you don't know, want a guitar? And I was like, wow. Oh. Well, it's funny you say that because you know what it is. I I fell into the into the rock band Guitar Hero trap, and you know I got the uh, you know I got Guitar Hero. I got the guitars when Circuit City was going out of business. So you know I I play it casually, and um, I actually ended up picking up DJ Hero, which is very fun. I have to admit, DJ Hero is actually a really good game. They got a fucking banging soundtrack from start to finish. I don't know if that would be your thing, Kev. I know that's not you know you you still don't like messing with plastic instruments, but. That was basically a failure. Uh, you know, the industry recently had a uh, press uh, release that, um, uh, you know, the, the music gaming is basically uh, dead now. The fad is kind of, uh, has, has lapsed, um, and uh, that is considered a, a failure. I think Beatles only sold 500000 which, you know, is a, I, who knows how much they paid the Beatles to, to okay. do that. So they're like probably, yeah, they're probably scratching their heads going, well, why didn't anybody buy the Beatles? I, I, hello? Did anybody think that, like, the kids today have no freaking idea, you know, no interest in the Beatles songs, you know? It's like people that are our age and stuff, they're, like, coming out with stuff like, uh, it's the Big Bang Swing era or something. And, you know, like, what? I don't, you know, what are we going to play, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy? No, you know, and uh, so, but, yeah, they said that, like, like the, the industry is, like, the music gaming has sort of uh, gone, its, gone its way now. I mean, maybe it'll, you know, there'll be a resurgence if they think of something new, but, um yeah, I don't, you know, I DJ Hero, you should keep it because uh, collector's item. Yeah, I actually, you know, I was one of the fuckheads that went and bought the uh, the special edition with, you know, the Jay-Z and Eminem special edition. I laid out fucking $200. Let me tell you, that was the hardest $200 I, I ever gave up. You know, I pay I pay a mortgage, <laughs> I pay bills, and I write checks with a lot more ease than paying 200 bucks for that. <laughs> you know what it was? The 200 bucks, I didn't feel so bad. I mean, you know, you got a really cool case and shit. But then I was like, does this really justify $200? I can understand 150 buck and a quarter, even 100 you know, but 200 bucks, man. And I, and I just stare at it sometimes, and I just get so angry that I fucking fell into that trap. If, if you walk up to the counter carrying something and, like, you're embarrassed, like, <laughs> I don't really want – I don't really want many people to see. Like, if you're, like, kind of hiding it, like, got it sideways, you got your arms around it, you get up to the, you know, the counter, you just kind of put it down, you're looking around, like, okay. Yeah, can you Don, just, there was no hiding that. Just, <laughs> there okay. was no well, hiding that. I'm just that. saying. There was no – I walked in there. It was funny because I bought it – I bought it right before I went to work. So I walk in the Best Buy at, like, 930 in the morning, and I walk out with this box. It's like a fucking coffin, how big it was. It's pouring rain, and they're like, oh, we don't have any bags for this. I'm like, I'll just pay $200 for this shit, you fuck. If this shit doesn't work, I'm coming back and torching this store. So the lady came, and she cut up like a bag and wrapped it around. I was like a hobo walking out. It was, it was absurd. But you know what? After I played the game, I realized that the game is really enjoyable, you know? Like, it's one of those games that is great for parties and shit, especially because it has, like, a banging soundtrack. You know, you could just have people come on and, and play it. And I think that that's one of the things that they were trying to reinforce, you know, the community gaming, just getting, uh, you know, right. groups of people together to play this shit. But like Kevin said, they, they, they oversaturated the market. It's like Beatles rock band. Now they're going to do Green Day rock band, Guitar Hero, Guitar Hero band. 
fucking, you know, Lego Lego rock band. Is, is, is there really a necessity for fucking Lego rock band? Is there? Uh, no. How about how how about PS3 Bongo Circle band? Yeah, well, they, yeah, Stoner Band. Just call it Stoner Band. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of guys in tie-dyes and sandals. Maybe shorts, that's optional. You know, beating on controllers like they're bongos. I don't have enough friends that would actually get together to play, like, rock band things. I mean, I, it just seems like something like a bunch of people with sweaters would do together. Because, I mean, you know, I, like the Cleveland, like, I can't get my brother and Larry and Don and Don to sit down in front of plastic instruments and all of us sit there and play a game together. I mean, it it just would be so gay. I, I mean, really, nobody's going to do it. My brother would never in his life go near any of that stuff. I mean, the guy would right. be like, you know, absolutely not. I mean, even if I told him it was for a joke, like, I'd be like, it's going to be funny, we're going to do this, he'd be like, no, no, I'm not doing it, no. I mean, it's just, it, people around here are like hardcore or something, I don't know what it is. I mean, you just can't relax. It, you know, it's it's too challenging to people's manhood to go back and play with stuff that you would have played when you were seven. You know, like the Mickey Mouse guitar with the crank. You know, it's it's the same thing to us. I don't know. I, I can't get into it. I I appreciate that it's a great game and people like it and everything, but I you know I just I can't do it, man. It just it's, I'm out. I, I generation just just can't can't roll over for that. That's all right. Well, let's let's move on and talk about some other stuff. Um, they're releasing the first paid downloadable content for Mass Effect Two. It's going to be available for the Xbox 360 and the PC on April 6th. It's going to be Kasumi Stolen Memory. The new pack is going to add about 90 minutes of gameplay and brings female thief Kasumi to the Shepard squad. You'll gain her loyalty by helping her on an undercover mission against a corrupt art collector, and she brings the Locust SMG and Flashbang Grenade to your, ar- to your arsenal. And, of course, they didn't announce the price for this content. Now, of course, my, my opinions on downloadable content depending on what game it is, is usually negative. Do you, do you think that 90 minutes of additional gameplay couldn't be put in the original game? Well, you know that they already had it done. I, it, oh, yeah. it, the, the, the game literally just came out, like, you know. It, the same with Bioshock 2. They just announced that there's new content for that. I mean, it, it's all about the upsell now. It's all about trying to get you to buy the game at you know, $60 and then charge you more and more for the, they, they, you know, they probably have like three or four expansions, you know, in the, in the pipe for any of these things now, because it's uh, it's all about the upsell. It's all about the marketing. I, you know, I mean, but, but people buy it, you know, people want, you know, I, I bought that, uh, I, you know, I got Fable too. I bought that not whole Island for that. And uh, right. I think I finished, I, I think I finished that in like an hour or something, you know, and it was just more of the same. And it's like, you know, that could have just been in there. I mean, it didn't even need to be in the game. I mean, it was just, like, extra, you know? And it's like, I don't I don't know. I, as long as gamers keep paying for it, though, I mean, I don't know who has all this money to blow on this kind of crap, but it's, apparently people do. You know, I hear about how bad the economy is, and then it's like, uh, hey, cool, another expansion of, you know, Fallout 3. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it. It's like, all right, but is it going to really be worth the, the 10 bucks that you're paying for it? I, You know, mostly everything I've downloaded hasn't been. I, I don't. Have you downloaded stuff? Have you Akuma? Have you found anything that uh, that you really you thought it was worth? You know, not Guitar Hero tracks, but I mean, like you know, game expansions yeah. that you bought online. Is, yeah, anything definitely. Like- um, definitely Burnout. You know, when they did the whole Big Surf Island, they added the island and all the cars and shit. I bought all that because it was a whole other level, and it just extended the gameplay of a game that was really good. The pricing wasn't over the top. It was a modest, modest price scale. 
And, uh, you know, I felt, I felt good investing in that because it gave longevity to a game that I really, really enjoyed. Now, in regards to first-person shooters and, and games like that, let me tell you, every time I see these people creaming their shorts because there's a new map pack being released, I just laugh at the fact that they're fucking sheep. It's like, ooh, it's a new map. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a blank level that you're going to play in that's probably already in the game, and they're going to beat you over the head 30 bucks for, which I'm actually going to discuss later in the broadcast for those of, those of you that love to play Modern Warfare 2. You guys are going to get raped, and I'll talk about that later. But it really is unfortunate that, like, I understand, like, you want to put out something cool, but, like, the maps and shit, put the maps out. Make the maps cost a buck or two. Don't make the maps, like, fucking 15 bucks. It's like we're, we're, we're gamers. We spent 60 bucks on the game. It's insane. You know, a lot of people, yeah. they'll say, you know, Fallout had good downloadable content. I've never played it, but, you know, for games like that, that you can extend the gameplay for hours, you know, ooh, an extra 90 minutes. You're paying whatever. Let's say it's 15 bucks. You're paying 15 bucks for 90 minutes. You can get I mean, more enjoyment really- from a hand job for less money. What, what- what they're really doing is they're training they're they're training all the gamers to wait because they're basically saying, "Hey, look, if you just wait like six months, you'll get uh the game and all the expansions for like half the price, you know because they'll release some gold version that has it all combined because then they'll want to get the back end money, you know once the game has gotten a little bit older and then like it's no longer the hot game, then they're like, okay, well now we'll re-release it with everything combined, and it'll be cheaper." Yeah, and and so that that's what they did with Fallout Three. So you know you end up getting the game and, and uh, all the expansions for less money, and, and and that happens all the time. And it's like gamers, you know, I mean, if you want the latest thing right now and you've got the money to throw down for it, I mean that's cool. But it just seems like a waste of money in a lot of cases because if you can just hold out, you're going to get all of it for less, you know. And it's like you, then you can buy two games. I, I don't know. I mean, I I I mean, if the downloadable content is good. I'm all for it, but a lot of times I just think that it's just, you know, it, it's just, um, it, it, it's not, it's not really anything. It's not, it's not really taking the game, and it, you know, it's like you, you get something in Mass Effect or something. Is it really going to take, like Mass Effect One had an expansion, and it was okay, but it didn't really take the story in a new direction. It was just kind of like an extra side mission kind of thing, and it's like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to pay for that stuff anymore. God, I'm bitter tonight. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, the PlayStation Move, and uh, we can be bitter oh, about that. Too. Oh, no. Oh, that, that, there's going to be some of that, but um, I'm actually going to bring a caller, and I'm going to bring Slick on the line. I'm assuming he has more to add to this discussion, and you being bitter, Kevin, is welcome, because it saves me from being as bitter. But uh, let's okay. take this caller. Let's see what we got. I'm a little peeved. <laughs> Slick, what's going on? What's up, guys? Yo, yo. What's happening? Not much. Um, wanted to get in on the the downloadable content thing, and actually, I was a little bit surprised at the results this week. But um, yeah, I mean, burnout was probably the biggest thing I spent money on in terms of. Well, actually, most of it I didn't spend money on because most of the burnout downloadable content was free. But I mean, there's Fallout. Like you said, Bioshock 2 will have something, which I don't know if I'll get or not because I haven't even played the game yet. It's still sitting in the box. Yeah, Sinclair Solution is the downloadable content for Bioshock 2. Yeah, yeah. I, I had read a little bit about it, but that was like two weeks ago. 
Oh, yeah, and then there's the big downloadable content that's coming out next month called Street Super Street Fighter 4, which should be <laughs> downloadable content because you really are only getting two new characters. Yes so and no, and I'll tell you why. Yes and no, and, I, and you know, I'll, I'll stop you there first before you continue. And the reasoning, let, let me tell you, Street Fighter has been the originator of moving their fingers and raping us gently. It happens with every version of Street Fighter. There's always Super Street Fighter 2, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Hyper Fighting, Champion Edition, shooting two fireballs across the stream. Oh, my God, Guy combs his hair with a different brush. You know, it's all different shit. The fact of the matter is that when you have a fan base that loyal, you can slap Street Fighter on a container of milk and they'll buy it. And in terms of Street Fighter, it's one of my favorite games. I try to own most of the fucking Street Fighter games out there with a few exceptions. But, you know, Street Fighter 4, I feel that they, there was so much new stuff that they added and so many different changes to the gameplay that were introduced that it warranted a new disc. Now, That's a hot thing, steaming glass of bullshit, and the proof is Burnout Paradise. Okay, but Burnout Paradise, they introduced Big Surf Island, which is a, a stationary island, and they introduced new cars. I actually am concerned about downloadable fighting game characters because there's always going to be things that are left out, and if you introduce that model, they're going to start giving you crippled characters, and then they'll say, hey, spend 160 points and get you know, super electric Hadouken, you know, and that's why I was against that happening because that was the trend that they were going towards. And the guy said, he's like, you know, we can't do this because before you know it, one guy's going to have a Street Fighter game with three characters that are brand new. You might not have the money to buy them. And then you're getting your ass beat and you're not enjoying the complete experience because of it. You know, I feel that if you're going to do something like that, you know, and take the time to put the gamer's interest at heart, dude, I wouldn't mind paying 30 bucks for it. Even 40 it still beats 60 Even if it was 30 half price, I'd still buy it because it's not as bad. And you know what? There's enough gameplay enhancements, and supposedly there's something that happens if you retain both copies that, you know, make it, 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 it extends the shelf life. Yeah, Super Street Fighter 4 is going to be played more than regular Street Fighter 4, but... Nonetheless, I feel that the content warrants that. I, if you went that direction and you put the whole game as downloadable content, we'd be nickel and dimed for everything that goes in addition to that. And you know that's what they do. Yeah. I still think it's bullshit, but hey, I'll, no, I'm going to buy it anyway. I'm going to buy it anyway, so whatever. No, I understand your, I understand your logic, you know, and, I, and, I, and you know, I, I'm not disagreeing. I think, you know, they should have tested the waters with the first Street Fighter Four with something like, hey, let's let you download, you know, the, the, the car-breaking bonus game and see what, if people would have fell for it, you know, if they would have bought it. But they didn't. And, you know, it, it got us a new game in the process. Like you said, we're still going to buy the shit. Exactly. The other thing that kind of shocked me is I was looking at some numbers, and I don't know if you, you had this in your thing about um, Final Fantasy Thirteen. Ah, yes, we talked about that last week during the debacle that got cut off. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked that up, and it seems that, I mean, I, I knew it was going to do better on the PS3, but it's like doing nothing on the 360. It sold nearly 3 million copies on the PS3 in the U.S. and less than half a million on the 360. 
because the PlayStation is more more RPG friendly, I feel. The Xbox 360 has that stigma of being the first person shooter system. So well, you know, but but no, but look, your your PlayStation fans are the guys who've always traditionally followed Final Fantasy. I mean, that's why yep. they, you know, you know, if you're in Final Fantasy, you bought yourself a no, I'm not saying yet, yeah, but I'm saying if you were into Final Fantasy, you were always buying a PlayStation. So those guys went out and bought PlayStations specifically because the, they knew this game was on the way. And Xbox guys were the guys that never really cared about it. So you have always had this um, this base that has PlayStations, um, you know, ready for Final Fantasy the whole time. I mean, I, I don't find that surprising at all that it sold better on the PlayStation than it did on the on the 360. Because, you know, if you're into Final Fantasy, you know, long before this announcement came where, you know, it was going to be on both platforms, everybody was like, oh, I'm buying this, you know, PlayStation, because at least I know that Square's going to make a Final Fantasy for this system. And, you know, then they found out later that it's cross-platform. You know, because that was always the big thing, too. When they were always talking about they're like, Oh well, they can only do this engine on the PlayStation Three. It's like some custom engine that's you know, only for the PlayStation. It's too heavy to put on the. And then what happened? They put it on the Xbox. You know, it's like that's all bullshit. But you know, the, but really though, but those guys were all suckered into it, so they were like, oh, I got to get the PlayStation Three to get the Final Fantasy. That's cool, whatever. But I mean, that's what that's what happened. But the thing that I'm saying is, when back in E3, what? two, three years ago when they announced that it was going to come to the 360, everybody was like, oh, God, that's the nail in the coffin for the PS3. It's over now. And nobody's buying it for 360. I mean, it could be the fact that if you get it on PlayStation 3, you only get you only need one disc. If you get it on 360, you get three discs. you got to do installs and all this other bullshit. I don't know. I- I think I think that one of the big factors for that, and and Kevin brought up the, he hit it square the nail square on the head is the fact that PlayStation when you think PlayStation you think of Metal Gear, Final Fantasy, and Tekken initially, then you know Soul Calibur also, but little Grand by Turismo. little Gran Turismo little by little a lot of those things just started getting stripped away. The only real IP that's solely PlayStation. Is Ratchet and Clank, Kratos, Gran Turismo, uh, Jack and Dexter. Yeah, yeah that's Jack, about it. Yeah, well, well, all the Insomniac shit. You know, it's all PlayStation properties. But the crazy thing is, and I'm going to go into that later in the broadcast, is that that's about to change as well for some of those companies, and I'll discuss that later on. But um, Kevin is 100% right. It's like. Sony, and, you know, they created that monster. Everybody's like, oh, my God, they're going to remake, you know, Final Fantasy VII on the PS3, and everybody jumped for joy. Instead, they gave this, they, you know, they gave us this new one, and, you know, people all was right in the world. And you know what? The PlayStation is a stronger system. It can support, you know, all those beautiful visuals. And, you know, they didn't want to leave the 360 gamers out, so they gave you, you know, a four-disc box set to play the game with. <laughs> It's true, dude. I don't know. I mean, looking at it from a business standpoint, let's say this were like the final numbers, you know, after everything was said and done. You sold 3 million copies of the game, and you only sold 400,000 on the 360. Was it really worth it? It wasn't. It wasn't. I think if they only sold like 
say if they if they sell under five million, I mean, I think it, it's still a success for them. But I think that like the Final Fantasy came the games keep diminishing in their sales numbers. Uh, the the series keeps well, going worldwide, down. The game, down. Worldwide, the game's already sold over five million, but it's been out for months in Japan. Right, and, and but in, in the U.S. last week, their their numbers are like uh, they they can they continue to slide on on Final Fantasy, and maybe this one they'll pick up. Um, but uh, we looked at these numbers before, and they keep going they keep going down. And I think that the gamers either get uh, um, they're getting tired of it, or the fact that you know Square hasn't been innovating like they used to. Uh, we talked about it before, but yeah, I, I mean, I hope you know. I, look, look, even if they only sell five million, that's a great success for gaming. I'm not saying that that's not. They'll keep making them because that's a cash cow for them. But um, I think that uh, uh, the the series is is you know becoming, especially in the United States, uh, a lesser of a factor than it used to be. I mean, it's certainly not the peak where Final Fantasy VII is. I mean, for a while there. We were seeing the, you know people going out and buying Final Fantasy VII, you know, on the the original for the PlayStation on the sales charts again, all you know, which was like rivaling like some of the latest releases in games because people wanted to go back and play that one. But they don't do that for like Final Fantasy VIII, you know, or nope. it's like it's only uh, everybody's very fond of Final Fantasy VII for good reason. That game's really innovative and really fun, and uh, the later games have been, um, you know, just they haven't lived up to it. And, and it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, is it the same company anymore? It's hard to say what, what their, their primary motivations are. There's been some complaints that the latest one's too linear, you know, and um, I, I don't know because I haven't played it. But um, I, I, don't, I don't think it um, – I, I think Square really needs to sit down with themselves and, and sort of say, you know, how can we recapture the essence of what we did in Final Fantasy VII? Because if they did that, then, you know, they would be – Probably the hugest gaming company on earth, you know. But I don't know. They keep they keep churning out these sort of um, uh, really Japanese centric RPGs that are that are fun and everybody likes them and stuff. But the United States audience has been has been declining year on year, and I think that's um, uh, I think it's a problem for them and something they need to realize. Yeah, yeah Legend of Blue Dragon is a perfect example of that. The United States audience is too jaded and with used to not having decently written stories. I mean, the Final Fantasy thirteen. I, I am playing it. Yes, it is kind of linear, but, I mean, the the one that everybody sucks the teat of, freaking Final Fantasy seven was linear in the same way until you got to a certain point. And, I mean, what, I mean, for me personally, Gameplay, of course, is important, but so is story. I mean, this is the first one since, pretty much since 7, to not just focus on one or two people. They actually equally flesh out all the main characters of the story and actually put out a really good story, and that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Right, right, but it's like, sure, but you're you're a guy that probably has followed the series your whole life or whatever, and and, and, uh, really enjoys the the game. But the Final Fantasy VII had a lot of things where, like, one minute you're, like, you know, adventuring, the next minute you're snowboarding. And, uh, you know, that that was fun, and that, that was something that I think they've, They've lost in their in, in in terms of their innovation. They they get more 
into the nitty-gritty combat aspects now of going in and, and fleshing out all these stats and, and, and tweaking your, your, your guys and, and your, your combos and everything. And you, you miss the, um, the, the more of the simplicity innovation that they had in 7 that, um, you know, uh, it was, you know, you, story can carry regardless of how much uh, technicality goes into the game. If you've got a great story, you know, the game can be retardedly easy and, you know, still be a good story. So that's not an issue. It's really just making the game turn on you where you're getting chased by a train, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That, the later games just don't have it, man. They, they feel a, a really kind of, um, uh, and again, I haven't played 13, so I'm, I'm talking more like when, you know, 12, which was, uh, um, you know, I had to fight a giant tomato plant. It kind of bothered me. But, um, it, yeah, it, it, it really comes down to this numbers system, which, um, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the Japanese hardcore really into that, and, and that's cool, but it just doesn't translate for an American audience. It, it doesn't do a good job. There's still guys like you that are into it, and, and like it, and, and, and that's cool. And, you know, there's a lot of people like you because it still sells, you know, like millions over here. But it's, um, it's not like 7 was. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely right, though. Ever since 8, the focus on each successive one has been we have this great new battle system. And that's really the first thing that gets talked about anytime a new Final Fantasy gets announced. But I'm not going to dwell on it. In fact, um, I think I'm gonna get off because uh, uh, you got Ann on the line. He hasn't called in in forever. So well, you know what? Let me tell you something. Then, and this is what my I'm gonna sum up Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy the series is basically the story of effeminate Asian boys and their search for magic. <laughs> That's pretty much what Final Fantasy is. And I'm not That's shooting on the game. I'm not shooting on the on the genre itself, but this is this is why Final Fantasy VII is the only one I own, and I still have the original disc. It was fantastic from start to finish, like Kevin said. Very engaging gameplay, innovative. It crossed over into the mainstream. But but you know one one of the guys I I think it was Hyena that said it in the chat. It's like you know RPG is now about farming, and you know let's grow these tomatoes so we can gain mana. It's like who gives a shit? Can I just fight the giant monster and move the fuck on? I don't give a shit. I don't give a damn about the love story. Look, can I just play the game? Can I just destroy some giant demonic-looking things with, like, an attack that summons a giant goat with flaming horns and shit? Like, really, can I just get that? No, I got to get all this extra deep bullshit that just oversaturates the gameplay and just drives me fucking bananas. Well, in Final Fantasy thirteen, you can summon two sisters that start to feel each other up while they transform into a motorcycle. Yeah, that's enough of that. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> All right, let's move. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, man. I'll talk to All you later. All right, buddy. Later. I think we got another caller. Five bucks says this is probably Jedi. Jedi, is that you? What up, dude? What's going on, man? Hey, man, good show. Uh, how's it going, Kevin? Don? Good, man. What's going on? You're hey, Don. louder than Kevin's. Well, my, I'm not louder than Kevin. Whatever. Um, so you guys are talking Final, Fa- Final Fantasy. I got I to gotta call in just to chime in my two cents. Um, so, yeah, I'm playing 13 right now, and I'm liking it. But I, I think, Kevin, you hit on a lot of good points about it, and I was actually thinking about this the other day. Is that 
Um, as a person who's grown up on Final Fantasy and a general fan of RPGs, something's missing. And I think it's just the, the JRPG genre in general. And I don't know, I'm trying to pinpoint what it is, but I really think that unlike um, Western RPGs, which have really embraced uh, high-definition technology and the next gen of games, and you see stuff like, um, like anything Bioware puts out or anything that Bethesda puts out where they're making this really open world and it's all about interacting and giving you all these choices. Um, the JRPGs have always been more about the third person story and let, let's carry you through here. And so it's, um, it has been translated as well, I think, into the HD market, into the next generation as some of the, um, the Western RPGs have. Because take, for instance, Final Fantasy VII, okay? That's probably one of, still one of my favorite games of all time. Like when you're saying that you... There's no um, voiceovers. You're putting your own, um, as you're reading, you're imagining what they, what they sound like. But when you have it transferred over and it gets voiceover works um, put onto it, it kind of comes back sounding all Japanese-y and really anime-ish. And so it kind of ruins it for you, and, and it becomes very kind of cheesy. So I don't think Square has really, um, or JRPGs have really been able to figure out how to make it have mass appeal outside of the hardcore JRPG fans or the hardcore Final Fantasy fans like myself. I will say that Final Fantasy XIII does a good job of that, better than the last ones. But still, like, take a look at um, Vanille, who's one of the characters in, in Final Fantasy XIII. She has this really high, annoying voice, and she's like, ah, la, la, la. And it just sounds so JRPG that you just feel like you're watching something for kids. And it just doesn't translate as well in, into next-generation gaming. I don't know if that makes well, any sense. Well, no, I think it does. Go ahead, Kev. Hit it. Yeah, well, I think the one aspect that, that when you go back on the earlier consoles is that the game engines were basically crafted, um, you know, on demand and, and sort of by scratch. So if they, they said, you know, hey, we want to have a snowboarding segment or a chocobo racer or whatever they wanted to do, they could do that because it wasn't very difficult to go in and write something new. And we were all more forgiving, too, if the controls were a little wonky, uh, going into that. But, you know, today the game engine has to be more complex and therefore it has to be more fleshed out and gamers have become more sophisticated on exploiting bugs and things like that. So they have to make sure it's all done. So that makes it a lot more sterile. You, you know, you know that as you continue to progress in the game that the story will improve or change or whatever, but you're liable to be sitting in the same sort of um, environments, you know, you're, you're, you're locked in. Yeah, there might be a big monster that might appear. Yeah, you might unlock a new combat system routine. But, you know, it's not like you're going to suddenly be, um, uh, you know, um, going from, like, walking to, uh, like, remember Laura Croft, like, um, Tomb Raider, for instance, like, one minute she was, like, running, and the next minute she was on a snowmobile, and she's in a kayak and all that stuff. And, and it's like, that just doesn't happen as much in, in the later nope. consoles because a lot of fucking it, walking right it costs too much money to basically sit down with your developers and say okay we need 10 different game engines which sure, is like sure. what they what they would have to do and so i think back then when we were all playing on the lesser systems we didn't really know what was coming so we had a feeling of like surprise like we always were like kind of amazed we're like wow that was crazy i you know i i couldn't believe that just happened but today, you, you can almost predict, you can predict where the game's going to go. And so you're just kind of like, you're, it gets tedious. It gets a little tedious. You, you're, you're, and that's not just Final Fantasy. I mean, there's a lot of games like that. It's like if I'm playing a first-person shooter, I just know 
that the game isn't going to switch up on me. And, and, sure. and it kind of makes so you, um, you, you, you still enjoy the game, but it's, I think just like why the market is shrinking is that people know that when they go into it, it's more of the same, more of the same. You know, that's like with Halo 3. People that were in the Halo uh, 1 and Halo 2 said, ah, I'm not really going to play Halo 3 because it's more, it's of, the more of the same shit. It's more shooting, more shiny Spartan armor, more grunting aliens <laughs> for fucking 20 minutes. It's like, who gives a shit? I get it. You got little grungy-looking aliens. You shoot at them. You know, Master Chief says a one-liner or two. Cortana pops out. Run, Chief, run. We get it. All right. Alien, right. giant ring. Got it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Let me, um, yeah, definitely. And you bring up an interesting point, Kevin, because actually one of the developers of Final Fantasy XIII, um, for those of you who don't know, Final Fantasy XIII doesn't have towns in it, which is like one of the staples of the Final Fantasy series. And he was quoted as saying basically that we're not, we didn't make towns because it was too hard. Because it was too hard. <laughs> and that goes right rest- along with, what, what's that? What do they got, rest stops with little holes, you know, to peek through and whistle? Well, yeah, well, basically, you just run through them. Like, it's a straight line, mostly, for up until where I'm two-thirds into the game where I'm at right now. It's a straight line. And the environments are great, and they're good to look at and everything. But like you said, I mean, I, I, you know, the game's really fun, but it's, it's monotonous because you do want to be able to go do something like hop on a chocobo or like in Final Fantasy VII, right? They had the whole gold saucer thing. It was, it was just a big playground. You could completely deviate from the entire storyline and just spend time there. And it, it, it doesn't make sense to me because Western RPGs seem to be able to get this. Like Mass Effect 2, in my opinion, is the best RPG that's come out in the last 10 years, hands down. And, it, it, you know, even though that's a fairly linear game in some respects, um, it just does certain things that make you break up the monotony to where just little quirky things that make you memorable moments, like just going into a club and, and dancing, watching your character dance there for five seconds. It's stupid. Oh, God. It's stupid. I play RPGs. You see, it, it, look, like Kevin said, I'm gonna pay sixty dollars to farm and dance and, no, no. and ride giant chickens, ride ride giant Muppet baby Camillas. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Oh come on, man. No, fuck that, man. Let me tell you something. And and you're you know this is my you know my violent side coming out. Look, shit's gotta be getting shot, blown up. Or, or there has to be some really carnal enjoyment for me to really part with $60. Like, everybody's like, oh, I'll play Final Fantasy thirteen. It's beautiful. It'll change your life. What is it going to change exactly? Is it in fucking 3D? Do I get a fucking sword in the box? Mm-hmm. No. Well, it's why do you play video walk, games walk. at all? Yeah, but it's like walk, 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 farm, 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 save this. Oh, my God, the world's going to get destroyed. It's just, ugh. No, nah, dude, know. okay. Mass Effect Two is where you're coming from, Jedi. You know, I, 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 and I respect that. But you know what it is? Like the RPG genre and Mass Effect Two. I know you're going to reference that. Fable. Those are games that are trying to reinvent and reinvigorate the genre. But it, it, they, they, they seem to fall back into the walk, walk here, talk to this person, get this, fight this giant thing. It's like, ah, oh, we get it. It's like, I don't know, uh, man. I mean, I guess I'm, RPGs for me are a lost concept. I can't. I can't say. I'm not going to take up your show trying to sell you on Mass Effect 2, except just to say that you should play it, and then t- and then tell me go back and listen to the show and, and tell me what you think. Anyway, I, I just I wanted to chime in. I know you guys got a lot of stuff to cover, and uh, so I wanted to throw in my two cents. That I, somebody came over to the house, so I got to go. Um, keep up the good work on the show, man. I love the rage tonight. Thanks a lot, man, Jedi. Thanks for calling. All right. Me. Yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. Right. See you later on.
before before we wrap this up, Kev, you know, I, I think I think I really am in, in that in that bitter genre that you're in with just RPGs in general and the shit that they just try to pawn on you. I, it's just not for me. It's really not. Yeah, it's it's it, 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 it's a certain you know. It, I think that a lot of these guys grew up playing these games at a younger age and and uh, have followed it because they're very fond of it and they're hoping that um, the 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 brilliance of the earlier parts of the series. Not that these later games are terrible or anything, but I think that they're hoping that that brilliance comes back because at one time you know like SquareSoft SquareSoft dominated and uh, you know it's just. It's 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 gotten to the point now where it's um it, it's becoming less interesting to a lot of people and you know that's that's true of any series I mean you know Metal Gear has uh, had poor sales you know going forward too it, it people lose interest because it again it's more of the same and game the game industry has to innovate yeah I agree well so are, said, are, are we going to talk, talk about PlayStation Move at all or are you gonna Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about nah we're, we're gonna talk about the move. We got we got ample shit to talk about. But here's a good one. Um, at the GDC, they talked about a DS2. According to reports, the new handheld is gonna have a built-in accelerometer, power on levels with the GameCube, and may even be out before the end of the year. It's still gonna retain a two-screen format, but they're gonna be larger, higher resolution, and closer together, which will allow them to be used as one screen. The dev kit is reportedly similar to the GameCube, and it's going to make things easier for developers. According to the source that they that I got this from, they put people familiar with the dev kit made it sound like there wasn't much of a learning curve on the new system. Thoughts? A DS I, 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 read that, I, I read that too, and I think it's BS. Um, I think that a developer wouldn't say that it's the power of GameCube because uh, the developers don't talk that way. Developers talk about the internals. They say, you know, well, we de- we're developing on the ARM7 platform with the bob- uh, with the, uh, uh, the the new graphics processor. They don't really make these running comparisons and go, well, it's mostly like GameCube. I mean, who even developed on GameCube? Uh, well, you know, that's how the many funny thing. Go ahead. The, the, val- no, the validity of that was questioned as soon as I read it, but there's also rumors that they are using the Tegra 2 microprocessor in the new in the new DS, and I can see it yeah, happening, yeah. and I can see higher resolution screens. That yeah. I believe, but 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 see that Nintendo sells for cheap, and they sell and they do minor upgrades. I believe a DS2 is coming out, but I don't believe that they're going to have these big screens or the screens are going to be like all that high res because that'll kill battery life. And Nintendo has always been about the, the listen. Everybody likes Nintendo, but they make the weakest systems, historically the weakest systems. The only system that they had that was um, uh, supposed to be better was the N64, and they actually weakened it because of cost considerations. You know, every system they've ever released has been the, the weakest, uh, in, you know, in the circle. And there's no way that the Nintendo today that, you know, releases like the, you know, the, the Wii is going to come out with some super innovative, high-res, um, large-screen handheld device. There, there, it's, I tell you, it's not going to happen because the battery life isn't there, and the price will be too high to put two big screens on there. I mean, you know, you look at the PSP, you know, that's got a, that still has a large screen on it, and Sony's still asking like a, a crap load of money on it, and now people are going to say you're going to have two of those screens on there? I mean, Nintendo, they're not miracle workers. 
You know, they're, they're, they can get a good deal going. But Wait, what about the DSI XL? What do you think? What do you think in regards to that? Well, that's good, but you know what? That, the processors in the DS, the, the 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 main processor only runs at 66 megahertz, and it only can 3D enable one screen at a time. And so the other screen, that's why no matter what game you play, almost always like the one screen's where the gaming is, and the other screen's like a map or like some menu or some static pictures or something because they can only make the one 3D. It's a really weak, the DS is really a weak system. It plays great games. Everybody loves it. I'm not knocking it. But I'm saying when people start talking about the next generation DS, Nintendo is a company that makes profit on their hardware, and they are going to make sure that that thing is profitable out the gate, which means you're going to have to use technology from today, and they're going to make sure that you can afford it and that it is um, – you know, it can be in kids' hands and not be all, like, destroyed because that's an important market for them. And so, you know, I don't think it's going to be some Internet-enabled um, tablet that, you know, everybody's going to go out and just, like, start downloading porn on and stuff like that because just, it's not Nintendo. you got to get your mind around Nintendo when you're talking about a DS2. And GameCube is the same engine that's in Wii. So when you start talking about it's GameCube graphics, well, you're talking that it's Wii graphics. You yeah, know, so you're saying... Thing. Right. So if you're saying you're developing for Wii, then you could be, what, a DS2 developer? I, I just don't think so. I think, don't get me wrong, I think it's going to look good. It might look as good as GameCube because, look, that you could argue that the iPhone or the iPod, iPad Touch looks as good as GameCube. I mean, that's, you know, when you with all the new uh, um, graphic techniques they use to anti-alias everything and, and to use these higher dot pitch on the, on the screen resolution, it looks pretty good. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be thrown around the polygon like everybody thinks it is. And if you do that on, you know, on an, I, on an iPhone or today, even with the big battery these things have in them, you know, the battery goes dead in no time. And Nintendo has always been about battery life. They could have went color with the Game Boy way, you know, way before they did. But, you know, it was a consideration of battery. And, and they've always taken baby steps. You know, they didn't go from Game Boy Black and White to Game Boy Advance. They went Game Boy Color, and then they had Game Boy Advance without a light. It didn't have a fucking light yep. in it. You know, had to <laughs> and buy the SP? The stupid, right, you had to buy the stupid worm light, and then they gradually upgrade, yeah, to the SP. And, and then the you know, micro, the little micro one. Right, and it's the same with the DS. It's, a, it's, it's an incremental upgrade. So they'll come out with a DS, too, and it'll look good, and it'll have some innovation. You know, and it'll probably have a camera in it. And it'll have, um, you know, the Wi-Fi and all that. Maybe a little bit of that Nintendo stuff. But don't, I, you know, if you think you're going to be playing, like, Modern Warfare 2 or something on that thing, it's just not going to happen. It's, 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 really just, it's really just going to be an advantage. I mean, that's my opinion. And, and they could prove me wrong. And I, and I also just kind of doubt that the only thing they're putting in it is an accelerometer. I mean, it just No, I doubt that, too. Reggie, Reggie said that, you know, when he was talking about PlayStation Move, he said Nintendo innovates, and the, the next thing that we're going to do is going to be something that people are going to look at, and they're going to go, wow, I didn't see that coming. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. And that means that they've got something up their sleeve that's really innovative, and it's going to be really different. And, and, and saying that they're just going to have an accelerometer in this thing is like, uh, you know, that, that, all that's doing is making it so developers can take their Nintendo games and port them to, the, to their competition, to the iPhone. So Nintendo has to have something in their, in their handheld that is um, custom to them, patented by them, 
specific to them that game developers want to use, and so that those same game developers can't take their games and port it to their competition, which at this point is iPhone. It's not PSP. Yep, that is true. But I figured I'd, 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 poke, I'd poke around for that information to see what you thought. Because I honestly think that Nintendo's going to fall into the, into the rut of people getting tired of pouring out money. It's like people just bought the DSi after owning the DS. Now the DSi XL, which should be out at the end of the month. And then if they announce a DSi 2 at E3, I think people are going to riot. And they're just going to start setting DSs on fire. Because that, that's a yeah, lot I, of money. And then they don't give you as much of a return back. Because right now, there's a, there was a banner in GameStop when I was in the mall today. Trade in your DS or DSi, get a DSi XL for $99. The system, I think, is 179 So basically, a system you paid 169 for, you're only getting 70 bucks for it. Right. I don't think that Nintendo is – listen, Nintendo is, has historically been a three-product company, meaning they had, a, they had Game Boy Advance still when, the, you know, when DS was launched, and they had, um, you know, they had GameCube, and then they got Wii, and got, that got rid of GameCube, and um, they, kept, they, they made the DS – or the Game Boy Micro, and then they had the, the DS um, Lite and everything, and – now they're only a two-product company. And when you're talking about business, when you're talking about, like, stock market and talking to investors and stuff like that, they don't like the idea that Nintendo said, you know what, we're not going to have this third product. We're not going to have this third source of revenue anymore. We're just going to have these two sources of revenue. And they've made it work, but Nintendo needs that third product. And so I, I've always kind of said that the idea of the DS was a one-time thing because Nintendo got a really good deal on those screens for the Game Boy Advance that they had for the, you know, the, the, the square screen. So that in, rather yeah, than going the plates, right, rather than going the, the, the PSP route of making the more expensive screen, they had the two cheap screens, and that's why they made the DS. And now today I think that they would, they would be smart as a company. I'm not saying I know anything or this is what they're going to do, but I think that they would be smart as a company to release a single-screen system that's touchscreen that has some sort of motion control in it and retake the Game Boy brand because they, yep. you know, that's an important brand for them. And they, it, it's odd that they just abandoned it and they really should come out with a new Game Boy and at the same time, keep the DS because if they come out at E3, like you're saying, and say, we got a new DS, then all the stores in America and Japan, and everything are suddenly going to be stuck with all this DS inventory because nobody's going to buy it. They're going to be like, well, why am I going to buy this? I'm, there's going to be a new one. You know? So the only way you can get around that, which Nintendo has done, is to you know, keep, that, keep the DS at a lower cost for the, for the young kids, like they did with the Game Boy Advance, and come out with the newer system with a different name, with different innovation, for the grown-ups with a higher price. And I agree. That is, that is more likely what they will do, because that's what they've done in the past. So... Who knows? But I, I just don't think that they'll come out at E3 with a D. They could because, you know, a lot of these, lately, a lot of these people that have said, you know, they've got the inside scoop on, on stuff have been right. But Nintendo has been the most, you know, hidden. With, you know, when the Wii was coming out, nobody had any information about the Wii before it came. You know what I mean? When they showed that thing, and it, nobody had any idea. Nobody knew. There was that crazy helmet. The Nintendo on thing people were talking. That's what it yep, was. I remember that. 
somebody was talking about it being a centrifugal force device where, like, it had a wheel spinning in it and it could throw you around the room. Everybody had ideas oh, and God. nobody knew. So the idea that now there's some sort of Japanese insider to Nintendo's plans leaking information to the American press, um, it's doubtful. possible. But it's doubtful, right? It's doubtful because they have a history of being very quiet with this. That guy would stuff. have to so, commit ritual suicide in front of Reggie for leaking information. R- and right. he has to do it with and, a Mario knife. <laughs> it's, it's really unfortunate, it, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't go on with it, but that's just my that that's just what I think. I mean, you know, you, you can never really guess what any of these game companies are going to do because you know I. I've tried to predict what Sony was going to do, and, and, you know, they did so many crazy things in the past couple of years that you sit there and you scratch your head, and you're like, why did they, why? You know, and yeah. so you, you can't always say um, what's going on within a company internally and, and, and make an accurate prediction about it, but Nintendo has been very consistent over the years. They have made their case known that what they want to do is make these consoles so that moms and grandmas and young kids and you and I can buy them and we can all play them together. And the way they do that is low price, accessibility, and great games. And uh, I think that um, I, I really doubt that they're going to come out with some really expensive super console either. I, we'll see, but I, I just don't see it happening. Well, you know, the, fun, the funny thing is that these guys, they sit there and then, you know, they, they, they're going to start breaking down all these rumors. And it leads me to the, um, the iPad. You know, I'm going to jump around a little bit. The iPad, of course, went on pre-order Friday. Um, 120 iPads were pre-ordered the first day. Um, every day after that, Saturday and Sunday, 1,000 iPads per hour were pre-ordered. How did, you know, with, with, the, with the DSi XL pretty much being released two days prior to the iPad, how, how do you feel in terms of, you know, gaming especially on a portable platform now that Apple pretty much has just flung their device into the ring, you know, because they, you know, they showed first-person shooters. They showed all these different little little, little hokey games you can play on the iPad. What, what do you think, man? I I mean, heard, do you think that they should be worried? I, I've heard that the, those numbers are, um, the initial numbers were high, and then they dropped off like a, like a falling rock off a skyscraper after everybody yep. got, like all the fanboys got theirs, like it just stalled out. And I think that the iPad is going to be a um, Apple TV type of product. I think it's going to be niche, and I don't think anybody's really interested in it unless they come out with something that's really going to be um, incredible. And the, the, the power in the system is not um, Modern Warfare 2 type, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's limited. They, they still don't have a really good um, graphic processor in there to really push around the polygons. And, uh, again, it's a portable, you know, it's a portable thing with a battery. It has a big screen, and if they did do that, the battery life would just, you know, vanish. And um, I think that they're headed in the right direction. You know, they're if they keep innovating this product, and and the, the the graphic processors and everything continue to shrink, and the power requirements continue to go down, that um, it will be a, a good um, platform, but touchscreen as a control mechanism blows. I mean, it, yeah. it's, not, it's not good. And, uh, I, you know, all they got to do is add some buttons to it and, and an analog stick, and gamers will feel more at home with it, and maybe they'll do that. But I don't see it as a threat. I, I, I really don't. I, I think that there's some fun games on, you know, they're, they're out there. People buy them, you know, but they're all buying them for like a dollar. 
you know, or $2. I mean, this is just not a market that is threatening um, anyone right now. But well, I think know, I that, say, go ahead. No, what I was going to say was, you know, I, I actually, you know, I bought Street Fighter Four for the iPhone, and um, I bought Plants vs. Zombies for the iPhone. And, you know, the iPhone games, of course, are going to be able to be played on the iPad. And I really feel that Apple is slowly but surely learning how to harness the game-making power of their devices because Street Fighter 4 on the iPhone, man, is, is pretty damn good. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, the touchscreen interface isn't that great, but they, they've done it in a way that, you know, if you tap, like, the ultra bar, you get the ultra, the ultra move. If you tap the super bar, you'll get the super move. Then, you know, you get punch, kick, and a special attack button. You know, they modified it enough, and, and it is a fun game. I think that, you know, the problem is, they generated $75 million in revenue in one day for a product that hasn't even been released. And people oh. notice that shit, you know? Right. right. No, Apple's a hugely successful company, and I think that they are – I don't think that Nintendo or Sony or Microsoft or anybody is uh, not keeping their eye on them. I think that they're dangerous, and they have – you know, these things are built on a, a trusted operating system. They have a good graphics library. They can really um, – uh, pre, you know, present developers with a platform to which they can make money, which is, you know, um, a lot of these other platforms are risky. You know, you, you, you want to develop for the Xbox, you, it's a lot of expense, you know, packaging up the games and getting it out there, and even the marketplace is, is a big expense. But, you know, Apple's created something where anybody can get in and, uh, and, and you know, go back to the garage type of programming and come out with a game, you know, that two guys made, and maybe they make a million dollars on it. Uh, you know, so they, that is a threat to, to these other companies. But I, right now, just right now, the technology that Apple's using in these, these platforms is not strong enough to go against um, the other gaming companies. But I think that in, within five years, um, it, really gets, it really goes toe-to-toe. Because at that point, you know, Apple can spend the money to, to, to continue to customize their chips to make that possible. You know, Steve Jobs, though, has never really embraced gaming, and I still don't think that he has. And um, I, I, until he really, you know, they, they make, like, his, his Apple continues to uh, improve their operating system to make it more gamer-friendly, but there's still a lot of lim- odd limitations uh, within that company because they want to control everything. You know, the lack of Flash support is, you know, completely noticeable. And uh, even when they do support Flash in, like, um, you know, like uh, on the Mac platform, it tends to run slow because uh, Apple doesn't allow hardware acceleration. Um, it, it with, you just can't do it. So the, um, the, the, these sort of restrictions and limitations, because Apple wants to be able to, you know, they, they have this open source model that they use. They use it because that way they always know you know, if something goes wrong, they can fix it. You know, they know every aspect of what they're doing. They've completely controlled it. So that's good for them because they offer a stable product that, you know, moms and grandmas can use and everything. But game developers always are more on that real cutting edge, you know. They've got physics processing now that they're using, you know, and the, and the, and the, the Mac doesn't have that yet. And, and so, like, it's always a, a step behind, and these handheld platforms will be even a further step behind because they're lesser powered. And so um, it, it's still, though, it's still smart business that they're doing. They're still 
uh, going to make a lot of money on this, and they're going to attract a lot of developers. But it, at the moment, it's still two different markets. They've got a really great phone market, you know, with this weird iPod touch kind of area that they've got, and this iPad that's kind of new. But I don't see it threatening the, um, the Nintendos and the Sonys yet. But, again, in five years, it's going to be a level playing field at that point. And yep. um, it'll be getting smaller, man, and Apple's learning how to – Apple's learning how to how to buy the stuff. You know, they go and they buy NAND Flash. They go and they clean out a warehouse. They're like, um, yeah, hi, we're selling NAND Flash. And Steve Jobs like, yeah, we're just going to buy your whole plant. And um, you're going to make this thing that we have here. And that's it. And that's what happens. You know, they did it with the, with the iPhone. They did it with the uh, smaller iPod Nano. You know, they just went. As soon as a, a company was purchased, you know, Apple bought a large a percentage of supplies from them, everybody's like, oh, this is going towards something. When the NAND Flash started being sold, you know, it was going towards the, the, the iPod Nano. And, that, you know, the, the iPad, I think, is a great educational tool. I think it'll be great for classrooms. I think it'll be great for college students, um, journalists, even bloggers. I mean, even even us, you know, imagine, you know, we're, we're at a – at an E3 or at some sort of an event, we can, you know, if they had a camera on it, you know, we can live blog, we could type right on it. But in right. terms of the gaming applications right now, it's just upscaling iPhone games. So it's like, you right. know, yeah, play, play Plants vs. Zombies on a bigger screen. Gee, thanks. Anderson, you haven't talked. Did you fall asleep? Are you waiting there? So no, no, I'm still here. I'm the, no, I'm Anderson, Anderson is laying in wait to strike. Do you know what an iPad is? Have you seen one of those? I haven't physically seen a seen a picture of it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I mean it's basically just a big iPhone that costs like five hundred bucks, but that you can play games on and stuff. Would you ever buy something like that? Nope. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, well, I mean, I mean it's, if I'm, look at look at here's here's okay. So for those who don't know, this is my thing about video games. Video games are meant to be played at home on a television. The bigger the better. The sound system needed to be there. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't anything carrying it around, walking around, sure that's fun. If you're at the D M V or whatever and you're just chilling, waiting to get your you know, your plates or your, your license or whatever. Yeah, I'll play a little bit on the phone or whatever, but it, there's no need to buy anything that you have to carry around. I ain't gotta carry it around. Why that's that's exercise. I want exercise, I'll buy the Wii. There you go. All yeah. right, well I figured I figured I would uh, run that by you guys, but moving on because we still got movies. I know Anderson's going to have a field day. Um, Modern Warfare 2, they're releasing their map pack called the Stimulus Pack. It's going to get five maps, two of which are going to be remakes, and it's going to run you 1,200 Microsoft points or $15. Nice, huh? Got to love that. Um, Coming out of GDC also, Insomniac Games is allegedly working now on both PS3 and 360 games, which opens up the properties of Ratchet and Clank as well as Resistance. You think we'll see a Ratchet and Clank or Resistance on the 360, Kev? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that the, the, the Microsoft has done a really good job of making development easier, and uh, that's not lost on, on these companies. And that's one of the reasons why Square came over, for instance, Development is easier on the 360, and Sony knows that. It's one of the things that they've talked about where they've said that, you know, their next system is going to have to fix that problem because, you know, it, it's just really hard to, to get the performance that you want out of the When you do it right on the PlayStation 3, you get that performance, but it's really difficult, 
and you're talking about longer, you know, longer hours, more dollars being spent developing. And, um, it, you know, there's a big market for the Xbox 360, and developers just want a piece of that cash. I mean, even with, you know, when you sell 500,000 copies of something, when you're doing like a direct port over, it's, um, it's a lot of money, man. When you're selling $60, you know, games, and they're, they're getting like, I don't know what their cut is anymore, $20 or something maybe, even if they got $10, you know, that's, what, $5 million extra money? I mean, it's just a, it's a huge amount of cash. Oh, yeah, it's the avatar effect, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, this movie made a billion dollars. Yeah, but ticket prices are also a lot more money. Same thing with games. It's like, yeah, 500,000 copies were sold. And to many of us, it's like, I have 500,000 copies, but that's still, you know, 60 grand, 60, 60 bucks, you know, and 500,000 copies. That's a, that, that makes a serious dent. It's just the fact that it's amazing how, you know, they sit there and they justify the fact that, oh, this game wasn't a hot seller. It's like, are you, you know, you sold 250,000 copies. That's, it's no slouch. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not millions. But still, that, that's solid numbers, and I think that Insomniac is going to, you know, make crazy money by porting Resistance on the 360, just because, you know, FPS, 360's FPS friendly. Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna, they're going to make, they're going to be swimming in the money. Ratchet and Clank, eh, not so much. I think that always benefited more on the PS3 hardware, but Resistance, definitely. It's the multi... Okay, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's the multiplayer. Let me... Yeah, I think so. It's the multiplayer aspects that uh, uh, on the three. Sorry. You know, with resistance, you get if you get a good multiplayer thing going on there. It's just you know you're you're embracing live and and uh, the achievements and all that stuff. And the people on the Xbox 360 eat that multiplayer stuff up. You know, and Resistance Two had a lot of that. And uh, um, if they bring that over, that you know that'd be great. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, Ratchet and Clank. I mean, the thing is, you know, they pay for all that money. You know, they pay for all those assets. They paid the artists to design everything. They paid the sound guys to make the soundtrack and the, and the graphics and everything. And they've done all the cutscenes. And, and it's just like, you know, you spent all this money. Why not unload it on the 360? You know, if they could get it on the Wii, they would. You know, if it, yep. if it wouldn't cost them a ton of money to, to get it on the Wii, they would. If you're in business right now, you're, that's what you're doing. Because, you, you yeah, know, brand loyalty doesn't mean shit. It's all about the, mighty, the almighty dollar at the end. Yeah, it is. It, it it is now. I mean, because it's just it, it, this choosing side stuff. I don't even know really where you know where that came from, except for the fact that the systems were so different back in the day that it really would have cost a lot of money to port over. And I think that the development styles as developers, they didn't have the same sort of ability to um, take their existing code and and bring it over because the systems were just so you know the Sega Saturn was so much different than the PlayStation you know I mean there was more than just brand loyalty there I mean it was just you couldn't just port one to the next but today the systems are so similar it's between the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 in terms of power that um, you know why not just you know port it make some money and that's you know I, that's why again that uh, you know if you're going to be a Nintendo and you're going to come out with a new handheld um, you've got to add something to it so that that process is more difficult. You know, it's, it's, it's why you don't see, like, Wii games get, often getting ported to these other consoles because, not just because the graphics are terrible, but even if they upgraded the graphics, you don't see a lot of that because, well, you know, the motion controllers aren't the same. So you can't really do it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be the same thing. I think in the next generation, when you have your PlayStation 4 and your Xbox 3, you're, you're going to see a lot of um, uh, differences in, because, you know, 
this has been an incident now where I don't think either side wants to have, um, uh, you know, to have this balance because it's it's been awkward for both companies. Yep, I agree. Well, in in terms of that, and you know, of course, I um I put on my take radio earlier today a post about the um the advertising strategy for the PlayStation Move. Of course, they had Kevin Butler on there doing his nice, you know, sarcastic, uh, uh, you know, breakdown of the PlayStation Move versus the Wii and versus Project Natal. Now, looking at the system in action, I was very impressed at some of the stuff that they introduced. You know, they showed uh, this one um, fighting game that was definitely uh, light years ahead of, you know, Wii Boxing and Punch-Out and stuff in terms of execution, you know, putting people in headlocks and shit like that. But overall, their presentation of the move, were you sold on it? Is it something that you're going to run out and get when it comes out? Or do you just feel that it's a fad that, you know, you're going to wait a little bit till it gains some steam? These technology demos are always bullshit. Um, I, I don't believe in any of them. I, 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 you know, they were asking people if how they like the button positions on the controllers and if they should change them. They haven't finalized any of this stuff, and I doubt that any of these games are real games and have um, all of the code in place to, uh, you know, make this make, make that stuff work. I, I saw that boxing type stuff where it seemed like it was in real time following them. I don't believe that's I don't even believe that's possible. I mean, you know, it, it's it like you swing your arm. You swing your arm really fast. It, it's not. It's just a blur in the air, and the camera might be able to track it, but it's, you know, I don't know. It, 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 how are you going to program that? Your arms would be all like weird noodles on the screen. They can go anywhere. You'd be moving them around like big windmills and stuff like that, but that's not happening, you know. It, it, it seems canned, which is like what the Wii always has. Is everything's canned. So I, I, I just think that the technology will be better, but I don't know if I, – I don't think it will be embraced because you're asking people to buy more stuff. You're asking people to spend another 100 bucks for this thing that's untested for games that um, will – you know, third-party developers haven't figured out how to make motion control fun. And, you know, maybe they'll do it. I mean, this, they say the SOCOM is pretty cool because of the way you can order your troops around. Okay, that's a good innovation. That, that's cool. But um, a lot of times with, with a lot of these motion control, you know, so far the most successful stuff has been exercise stuff. You know, so I'm, how, many, how many people are going to go out and buy this so they can exercise? I, you know, it, it's like um, everybody that sees the move is, just saying, is going to say the same thing. Well, let's see the game. And, you know. I, I like most of the gameplay, and like I said, it, and the reason I brought up, brought up the commercial is because the commercial made sure to show you the gameplay, quote, unquote, in action. But you, if, I, if you've seen anything, you've noticed that PlayStation's marketing strategy just as a whole has taken a more aggressive approach, you know, by having Kevin Butler do these, you know, real sarcastic, you know, caustic yeah. advertising. It seems to be generating a buzz for them. And it was funny for the move in particular, and that's why I, I brought it up to you, because you notice they're like, yeah, you, don't, you actually look like you're hitting something. You know, you don't have to flare your arms around or you don't have to do a Z pattern, you know, like, like they, they were, they, they were really throwing the salvo at Nintendo and Microsoft. They're like, you don't have to stand in front of this thing. You know, it just, it just works. Like he was just a real prick about it. But you know what? The, the advertising itself was 
exactly what PlayStation needed. It got the word out because people are like, wow, they're not fucking around. First thing when I saw my inbox this morning, uh, one of my buddies sends it to me, and he goes, dude, look at this. And I'm looking at the commercial, I'm like, wow, they really just, they, they don't give a shit. You know, like their commercial for God of War 3 is, the, is you know, games, music, movies, vengeance. It's like, way to go, you're preaching revenge to kids. You know, it's like, wow. But but it, listen, the move the move might be better than the Wii, but that doesn't mean it's going to be fun. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, is is sitting there in front of your TV swinging your arms and punches against the, the thing going to be fun? I don't know. I mean, it, is it better than standardized control? I, I I I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It still uses a camera, which uh, you know kind of freaks me out because uh, you know historically you run into like. If your arm's too high, the camera doesn't see it. You know, if if you're not standing far enough back, if you're not in the right angle, you're going to have problems. If the thing gets obstructed, you know, maybe it won't work. It's got that crazy lollipop colored light on the top of it. And, oh, the dildo you know, light. <laughs> am I going to sit there and swing that around? I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, 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 the games have to be fun. It has to be innovative enough where I'm enjoying myself doing this physical activity. I mean, one of those videos shows that guy completely hunched over, like and and uh, like using a gun, like he's hunched. I'm thinking, I'm not going to sit there and play a game hunched over for two hours. My back's going to go out, man. I mean, it's just it's, <laughs> it's, nice. Yeah, I, I I don't think that they're on the wrong trail with this sort of thing. But Microsoft is, you know, has their own technology that doesn't require you to buy, um, you know tons of controllers and, and a webcam and everything in order to make it work and, and, and don't need a nunchuck controller. Supposedly their technology is just going to be able to look at you and figure out, oh, you're, you're making a controller out of your hands. Well, I guess that's what you want. You know, I, I don't know if that shit's going to work. I mean, Microsoft seems to say it's going to work, but I, I've got doubts, and I, I have doubts that this will be a success for Sony. If you're a game developer right now and Sony says, hey, we got PlayStation Move, we're going to probably sell a million of these, do you start writing a game to sell to the maybe one million, or do you write a game that you can sell cross-platform to the, you know, the, to the 30 million? You're, you're writing right. it for the. I go cross-platform. You're writing for right. You're writing it for the 30 million, and the only crap that you're going to put out on the move is like uh, mini game stuff. Just you're going to put your developers that don't have anything better to do. You're going to be like, why don't you guys make some mini game bullshit so we can get, we can cash in a little bit on this. There, nobody's going to make big-time major investments in that technology except for Sony, and even Sony has a bottom line, and I doubt that they're going to, like, say, well, this is the way we're going, and uh, we're going to lose a ton of cash, but we're only going to develop for the move. You know, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think that Nintendo was smart and low-cost. came. You know, it's, it's in the system already. It's defined so that everybody knows, you know, from the get-go that this is how it is. And all Sony's doing is they're just separating their market. Microsoft is in the same boat with, with Natal. And I think that it's historically, third-party game controls released by the parent company have been a failure all the way around. So, I, you know, the only, like we were talking on, on uh, video game news uh, last week, the only exception, and that's a third-party controller, is the Guitar Hero controller. You know, that has been a success. But any other, like, thing that comes out, like that Nintendo e-reader where you swipe the freaking cards. Oh, God, and the, I remember that shit. That was awful. And the bazooka that was only out for one game or the running mat. I mean, anything that comes out it, like that, you know, the, the Knights controller on the Saturn with the analog thing, 
it's like for one, two, three games, even the Sony Eye. I'm supposed to like, I went out and bought that thing. And I'm supposed to think that Sony's going to support the move after their fantastic support for the Eye? No, oh, they're yeah, not. Oh, it's the Microsoft Vision camera, same thing. What a purchase that was. Like, masturbating in strip poker, you know? Well, you know what's funny? The Xbox Live Vision camera, I actually use that to scan barcodes on my Mac. <laughs> like, that's, what, that's, that's the use that it gets because it makes a good barcode scanner. And, you know, it makes a good um, iChat camera on the Mac because, you know, it's the cheapest camera. It's 30 bucks. But the same thing with the PS3. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to put out this amazing iToy camera. And, you know, you put out one game, Eye of Judgment. Other than that, they didn't do shit else with it. And it's true. How do you expect me to buy this new motion-activated thing that, guess what it still uses? A camera. You know, it's like, I don't understand where they're going. How about you just make more games? But you know what? Right. In terms of wrapping up the the game segment, go ahead, Kev. No, no, you're right. I, I think that that's it exactly. I think, why don't you just make great games? Why don't you make games that we want to buy? Why do we have that's to it. buy gimmicky, plastic bullshit? You know, we're, it's like, what, Modern Warfare was one of the highest-selling games last year, right? Modern Warfare 2. Um, right, it's a billion-dollar game now. Right, right. And and that's not using any kind of funky ass motion control, as far as I know. It's just a straight up shooter. So obviously the market's there to sell those games. You know, just you've got a great console. Just make games for that. Stop trying to plug a Wii into it, man. You know, yep, if people try, man. they'll buy the Wii. Just you know, yeah, but that's what it is, really, right? It's like, hey, we got you got the Wii. You just plug it into the PlayStation Three. Now you can play Wii games. I don't want to play Wii games. You know, I want to play true. PlayStation 3 games. That's what I got a PlayStation 3 for, to play PlayStation 3 games. So yep. I, I want Blu-ray like, games. I, don't want, I want Blu-ray games. I don't want, you know, pixel, right. pixel avatars with no feet. You know, that's, if I wanted that, I'd play the Wii. But, right. um, uh, but if, it, if it has great games, it'll be a success. Let's just say that. If it, because everything always, it's always the same. It comes down to the games. But I just don't believe, outside of a couple of launch titles, that that thing will get supported. But we'll see. Well, the last two bits of game news is that they're going to be uh, re-releasing Batman with a Game of the Year edition, but it's going to include four extra challenge maps, but here's the kicker, dude, 3D support. It's going to come with Batman and Joker-style 3D glasses. What do you think, man? I think that, that, that Arkham Asylum in 3D would be pretty fucking sweet. I just think that, you know, me not having the $3,000 TV is a bit of an issue. <laughs> to enjoy it. Yeah, this is like a, this is like what I, I would call like an industry sort of prediction where everybody is saying 3D is going to be the thing. So everybody, the TV manufacturers, the movie makers, the video games, the content creators, everyone's jumping on this thing except the consumer. Hello, you're in an economic, like, downturn in this country, you know? It, 10% yeah, you of the population. $5,000 TV. Right, and exactly. And people have just recently embraced HDTV, and now you're going around saying, oh, well, now everybody, everybody's just going to run out and buy, you know, a fucking $5,000 TV. No. And so guess what's going to happen? Nobody's going to buy any of these 3D movies. Nobody's going to buy the 3D Batman. None of that shit's going to happen. And all these companies are going to be like, I wonder what, I wonder what happened because nobody uses their fucking head 
just everybody doesn't want to be the last guy to be, you know, to miss out. You know, so everybody's going in the same direction, and it's going to be like a, it's just going to be a terrific, it's going to be a terrific failure. Don't bet on that 3D shit because oh, nobody's, no, nobody's going to buy it, and nobody's really interested in it. I mean, if you ask people on the street, do you want to watch movies in 3D at home? Most people are like, no. You well, know, I'll because it's a funny story. I went to the Sony, I went to the Sony Style Store, and Slick ended up going with me also. I went with my fiance, and they had the Sony 3D TV. And it, and it was really nice, dude, you know, 60-inch TV. And the guy goes, yeah, throw on these glasses. So these fucking glasses, they look like the glasses that fucking Lafarge wears in Star Trek. So I put these <laughs> shits on, and the guy's like, all right, I'm going to th- turn on the broadcast. So the first thing that they put on in 3D, it's not like Madden or World Major League Baseball. It's fucking Wheel of Fortune. I'm like, why do I want to watch Wheel of Fortune in 3D? <laughs> so right off the bat, I was turned off. Then he goes, he's like, all right, let's, uh, I'll show you some baseball. So he shows some baseball, dude hit a home run, you know, ball flew out of the screen. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. You know, and they showed some football, and they, they showed a guy getting tackled, and it looked like he fell out of the TV. I was like, all right, that's kind of badass. But then they demoed Little Big Planet in 3D, and I'm like, see, for games, 3D is going to be the tits. It's going to be awesome. Because if it was for that only – I'd be I'd be happy with it. If it was a question where I can take my brand new HD TV, install a firmware update, update my PS3 and buy a pair of glasses to get 3D, I'd be fucking straight. You know, I'd have no right. issue with this technology. But I have right. to go and buy the fucking TV that's five grand yeah. for a first gen untested technology that still has bugs in it. Right. Uh, right. And 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 I think uh, sports will lead the way more than gaming. I think gamers are actually more fickle. I, I, you know, we don't, you know, people, gamers haven't really run out in droves and bought 360s and PS3s. Yes, there's been some sales, but compared to the worldwide population, uh, not very well. You know, we haven't really bought game consoles, and in, in, in in, I think a lot of the game companies are scratching their head wondering why, because they're expensive. But um, it, it, sports, ESPN 3D, getting that feeling that you're sitting in the stadium, Watching the game, uh, I think that's gonna. I think that's really where the money's gonna be in that technology. But I don't think it's gonna be for years and years and years. Not, not while the economy is in the rut that it's in right now. It's just not gonna happen. I agree. And the last bit, um, Joystick.com obtained some documents that the Spring 2010 360 update is going to allow connections of USB match storage devices to the 360 to save games, content, and more instead of using a memory unit you'll be able to have a 16-gig partition on whatever hard drive you use to save arcade games, indie games, games on demand, downloadable content, and even full games. So finally, Microsoft got the idea, and the theory is that they're going to be phasing out the memory unit, and they're just going to allow external USB storage. And all i got to say is I'm not even going to elaborate. I'm just going to say thank God, man. That's it. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's interesting that it's like got that 16 gigabyte limit on it, though. Um, it's kind of weird. I, I, I guess they're doing that to sort of build something into the ROM that sort of prevents it from making it so you can run games off of it. They probably figure 16 gigabytes is some weird threshold, even though, you know, DVDs are less than that. But um, I, I'm not sure why they, they, they've done that, you know. I mean, why can't we just, uh, you know, they, they say they're getting out of the memory card business, and so, you know, they they want to have an option there for people to use, like, a 16-gigabyte or whatever memory card in order to replace the um, 
the standalone. But I don't think that's been a big market. Period. I mean, how, do you own a memory card for your 360? Nope. Hell no. Yeah. I have Hell one, no. but I have one. Don't. Well, because I have two 360s, so I can move my uh, account between them. Because otherwise, wow, you have okay. to reclaim it. You have to reclaim it on each one. So that's the actual only utility that it's. I think it's actually good for. And um, uh, I don't. How many big gamers really have two 360s? I mean, that's you know. Very few. Very only you, my yeah. friend. Only you. Very small market. All right. Well, I got one for free, so cut me some. There you go. There's no harm in that. All right. We gotta, <laughs> we're going to blast through some of this movie news. Um, first off, I reported it last week. Hugo Weaving is signed up to play the Red Skull in Captain America, who still hasn't been chosen, by the way. What do you oh, think? Oh, Anderson. Uh, Anderson, what do you think? Hugo Weaving as, as, yeah. as the Skull? Yeah, right? I have no problem with that. He can play him really good. Yeah, that's the dude who's in the Lord of the Rings. He's got the big forehead. Yeah, Agent Smith. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That shouldn't be no problem. As long as he can speak German. Yeah, that, yeah, the German is is going to be the interesting part. I want to see if he can just walk around doing that. I honestly would have liked mean? the guy who played um the guy who played Hans Landa that won Best Supporting in um Inglorious Bastards. Should have played Red Skull. That would have been good. Okay. I mean, it does, I mean, with the Red Skull though, you know, he's he's gonna he's gonna have all that makeup on. He's gonna have the red, you know what I mean? He's gonna have the Red Skull face, whole head. Well, hopefully the whole head get up like the, the skull really does have. So you'd never really see his face, anyways. True. Uh, more important, more importantly, is who's gonna be Captain America? Ah, and because... that, my friend, is is gonna be discussed in a few minutes. But um, right okay. before that, James Cameron got interviewed by USA Today. And he's going to be re-releasing Titanic in 3D in spring 2012. You're going to get a 3D version of Titanic to mark the 100-year anniversary of the sailing of the ship. Also, he's going to be re-releasing Avatar probably in the summer with an additional 12 minutes of extra footage because he feels that Avatar... Yeah, Avatar didn't gain enough money because Alice in Wonderland cannibalized the 3D IMAX screen market. What do you what, guys what? think? Is James Cameron out of his fucking mind or what? I, I think you. I wouldn't touch Avatar if I was him. I mean, I really wouldn't. You know, it's it's so successful, but you going in now so early and 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 you know messing with it. I, you got extra footage. Put it on the extras of the DVD. Let people watch it separately from the film. Right. Don't go in and screw your film up because. You make it too long or, you know, you, you drag it out with these weird things, and then people are going to go, like, when they go back to it, they're going to be like, ah, this movie sucks. You know, I, that can happen, you know. Yep. And as, as far as Titanic in 3D, I think that that's, uh, what, going to show me Kate Winslet's breasts in 3D? Um, yeah. No, I, I there, there's how many, you know, how much stuff in that movie is um, – uh, compatible, or, or even it's 3D. What's it 3D? Yeah, it's like there's some boat in the beginning. At the end, it's okay, but you're gonna wear those glasses through like the first two hours where they're like dancing. Put your glasses on now. Yeah, I mean that's what you see. It's gonna be terrible to like, like watch that crap for like just have uh, a two big flashing thing that says "Put your glasses on right now." <laughs> That'd be and, badass. And technology. <laughs> has actually come up, come along a little bit since, like, when you watch, like, those early parts of Titanic, it looks kind of fake. I mean, it looks kind of like you're looking at a 3D boat, 
And it's like maybe they should actually, instead of wasting their time making a 3D, maybe they should just improve it, you know, like Lucas did with Star Wars. Don't fuck it up like Lucas did. But, you know, just look at some of those graphics and go, well, we could make this look a little bit better since it's, you know, since it's gross like, you know, a billion dollars or whatever. Maybe we should spend some money and actually make it look, you know, a little bit better. Maybe replace Billy Zane with uh, a better actor. I don't know. Go ahead. Nice. <laughs> but, um... And to answer Don's question, a little Captain America casting. Um, of course, the last few weeks, uh, I, I know Kev has or hasn't listened, but um, I've been talking about all the different casting past possibilities that have been discussed for Captain America, from John Krasinski from The Office to Chris Evans from Fantastic Four, Mike Vogel from Cloverfield, Garrett Hedlund from Tron Legacy, uh, Wilson Bethel, who dropped out from NCIS. Now, though, it seems that they either are listening to the show or something, but Channing Tatum is in the mix to play Captain America. Along with, get this, with Ryan Philippi. How, how polar opposite is that? You got a guy who looks like a guy and a guy who looks like a 12-year-old girl. Are they going to have Bucky? I, I doubt it. What do you think? I mean, Channing Tatum is the most legit one out of all of them. It was either him or Jensen Ackles. I, you know what? I for some reason I know the name, but I can't picture him now. Who? Jensen um, Ackles. He's in a Supernatural, and Channing Tatum is you know Duke and GI Joe. You know, fucking what the hell's that other movie he did? Step Up. He was in what else? Oh, okay. John. I got you. I got you. That guy. I got you. I got you. I'm with you. He looks I'm like John you. Cena. He looks uh, like a young John Cena. Yeah, yeah, okay. A young prototype. There you uh, go. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I guess I could see that. What do you think, Captain? If you could cast as Captain America, what do you think? Who would you cast? You know, Captain America has been around for so long, like you know, as a character. And it depends on how this story. I mean, Red Skull and everything. I mean, is it is it happening during World War Two? Is that is yes, that what's going to happen? They're doing they're doing World War Two. So you, you need to have somebody who looks really, uh, you know, White. butch <laughs> and, and all that. Really and yeah, right. And, and American, <laughs> basically. And, and however you do that, you know, for in the World War II time period. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Is he going to wear the tights, you think? Is, is it all, uh, you know, going to modernize the costume? Yeah, they're probably going to make it like an armor type of. Or chain mail like it's supposed to be, maybe. Maybe? Yeah, maybe they'll mail. do what they're supposed to? Maybe. Doubt it. I mean, Marvel... Any choices, Kevin? Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't think of a... a <laughs> I mean, I, that's not bad, the, the Chaining Tatum, but it, it's... um. I, ben Affleck. Yeah, it really depends on the age that they're looking <laughs> at and, and everything. It's It's... I don't know, man. It, it, there's a lot of you gotta kind of kind of have a younger guy in there anyway. You know, you can pick some older actors and everything, but it's like a lot of times, you know, especially with these superhero movies now, they, they they're like dynasties. I mean, they're gonna have like five Captain Americas. You know, right. you don't want the the guy to be like looking at his retirement options when you get to the fifth one. You know, so oh, you, yeah. you kind of got you got to get somebody young at the get go, and and so you can carry it uh, going forward. But I, you know. I don't know. Matt Whoever Damon. does Captain America has to be signed for nine movies. 
according to what they're saying. Nine. <laughs> is, that, is that really true? Nine movies? Yep, really? Nine movies. Yeah, because you got to think, probably at least three Captain Americas, probably popping up in any other movies, plus the Avengers. Right. Holy crap. Exactly. Yeah, they so, got you know, big they gotta get on right. They trying to get they, they they gotta they gotta fucking figure it out. And then for the for the female lead, it's like they're like digging into the fucking trash bin. Like they got Kara Knightley or Emily oh, Blunt man. or Alice Eve as the love interest for, for Steve Rogers. It's like really, dude, really? Is it so hard in Hollywood to find a, a, a six foot tall, blonde haired, blue eyed white guy? Is it that hard with some type oh, of thing? Why why does why, why does why does he have to have a love interest though? Why do we have to exactly? Have to. That's what I was gonna say. There's just there's yeah, that's what, it, though. I mean, come that's, on. That's, that's the Hollywood formula. Every yep, that's movie, how you lower girls character into the has to have exactly. That's how you make that's how you make a movie. Uh, there's always gonna be every movie there is. There's always some form of no, you're, love interest. I mean, even with RoboCop, right? He's a fucking robot, right. and he had, like, memories of his ex-wife. Uh, you know, it's like he can't get away from it. But it just seems like it's so, like, I don't I don't want to see that. I mean... It's, it's a waste of time. Yeah. You don't, you don't need yeah. to have it, like, in the first film. If you want to give him a girlfriend later on, that's fine. But, oh, there you, go. you know, there's nothing... Well, you know, gonna... I mean, how much... How much? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 Anderson, finish it. I was going to say, how much time was wasted with Mary Jane... And oh, uh, Gwen, Gwen Stacy singing and everything with oh, yeah, just, you know what it is. I mean, you know much more cooler stuff it could have been. Those right. girls are pivotal to the story. That's different. Like Captain America doesn't need a fucking girlfriend. He needs a shield and some Nazis to beat up. If okay, well, if they're so pivotal to the story, then they should have used them properly. Oh well, that that my friend is a is a is something is something we we need to definitely discuss further, but. We're going to bring in another caller. We're going to wrap this up because we got fucking 14 minutes. Let's see. All right. O'Malley. O'Malley, make it happen, my friend. Going once. You're in there, O'Malley. Time shine. Oh, he's probably dead. Listen here, O'Malley. Are you coming in or not? There you go. No, he's not in. All right. Moving on. Um... According to Variety, there are negotiations for the guy that wrote the United States of Tara to be in charge of the remake of Fright Night. How about it? <laughs> Fright Night remake. <laughs> just make, a, just make your own fucking movie. Come on, for real. Have you guys seen the Nightmare on Elm Street? Have you guys seen the Nightmare on Elm Street previews though? I mean, oh, yeah, I had you, it on the site, man. It looks pretty creepy, but not that great. It, it looks the same, though. I mean, like, if you're going to make a remake, can you make it, like... But it's not a remake. It's a prequel. It is? Well, oh, yeah. Is it really a prequel? Really? Yeah, Pretty much. Elm I Street? mean, it's like... It, it's the no, new it's one. a remake, dude. Straight up. Straight up remake. Well, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're like, doing it from before he got burned. So they're doing, like, yeah, the yeah, whole, yeah. you know... Like him being a pedophile they're doing, and shit. Right, they're doing all that stuff, and then they're going, you know, and then they go into where he fucking gets burned up, and he fucking kills people. Oh, really? So they're going way, okay, well, I didn't know about that, because in the previews I've seen, I've only, like, it just looked like the same thing. Kids fall asleep, don't, you know, that whole high school crap that was going on, and I just think that, like, you know, we've been there, you know, just give yes, us something new. That's all, I mean, right. 
Well, spit it's, that. It's, it's, there you go. New, it's, uh, it's impossible. New Fright Night it's impossible to do because nobody has an original idea. It's much, much easier. I said this on my show a couple of weeks ago. It's much easier, I mean, even for, like, me. You know, if somebody came up to me and said, Hey, Anderson, we want you to, make, we want you to make a film. And I'd be like, uh, uh, okay. And I'd come up with a dumb idea. It would be stupid. But if they came up to me and they said, Hey, listen, we want you to make a film about strawberry shortcake. All right, I got all my characters made. I got pretty much the storyline. All I got to do is put it together. You give me this much money, and all the kids will love it. Ma'am, you know, strawberry shortcake. No, I um, Fright, Fright Night's basically what the, the the house next door has got the vampires in it, and yeah. um, oh, it, it, that's I think that's already kind of been done in, in other ways, but you know that that could be good. Uh, yeah, it's cool because no, there's no need. There, right, there's no there there's no need, but if they it, it, if they change it, it could be good. I mean, because there's the original doesn't have a lot of depth beyond the the slapstickness of the right. odd oddness of it. So I mean if you made it more uh creepier then I think you could do it. But it won't be that way. You know, it, do you notice Go ahead. Do you notice do you notice that nobody's like saying, Hey, you know what, I got a great idea. Let's remake Casablanca. Hey Absolutely let's not. Go remake Gone with the Wind. You know what I mean? They don't it, 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 but that's I mean it's gonna get crazy like that. Eventually it's gonna happen. Well they're remaking oh, yeah. Predator. Oh, yeah, they were making Predator, which is on the site, which is funny because I actually got some callers, and I think one of them is actually going to talk about it. Let's, let's run through it. We're on the fucking sprint here. Uh, who do we got next? You're on the air. You got 10 minutes. Make a miracle. <laughs> hey, Rich. Ann, is that you? Dave. Hey, guys, what's going on? What's up? Dave. Uh, I, I want touch on what you were talking about with uh, about uh, some of the Marvel movies. Do you think uh, with Marvel going to Disney, it will uh, they'll uh, they'll Disneyfy some of the movies? Maybe cut out some of the gore or flash some skin or anything like that? No, they're going to make animated ones, which is already that's what Disney's plan is. They got a whole bunch of animated stuff coming out. Disney Disneyfied. Mainstream, not so much. What do you, so you think, think they go with the live action. Do you think they're going to let the directors go uh, go nuts as far as nope. the, the violence? Hell no, because you know what it is. That's what happened with Raimi, you know, and and that was in the, that was just with Sony. Disney's going to be like, look, you know, you can't put out another Punisher movie right now. You know, that's what they're going to do. Right. I think that their properties are going to become valuable to them. I, I think that the characters will become valuable and 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 they'll become like, oh well, Wolverine wouldn't kill someone, you know, and, and they'll make and sure that that's like, <laughs> right, right. And, and, and so th- when the kids come to the theme park and they see the guy in Wolverine, they don't want p- people to think that he's a murderer, you know, that's the kind of weird politics that Disney will throw in uh, without, without question, but it'll take them a while to get there because Marvel's got a crap load of uh, characters and, you know, they'll start with the main ones and, um, you know, I, I don't think, Will you see Punisher walking around Disney World? I don't know. Maybe. Daredevil will be kind of funny running into everything. But anyway. What do you think, Dave? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for calling, buddy. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. Let's see what we got here. We're on the fucking sprint. See, Kev, when you guys are on, it's freaking gold every time. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's fun to be on your show. At least, you know, there's some good gaming talk. Unlike my show 
where uh, <laughs> everybody falls asleep and makes wild animal noise. So and I don't fall asleep during the gaming show. It's only the sports show. You're right. Oh, boy. You're right. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, Rich. Yeah. Hey, it's O'Malley, man. What's up? Hey, O'Malley. What's going on? I thought that was you before. What do you got? No, I was just waving, uh, raising my hand when you were talking about tall white blonde guys. Oh, wow. What happened? <laughs> Captain America and stuff. I was like, hey, right here. Um, but no, as far as like the whole Disney Marvel thing, I mean, if they try to pull that stint with theme parks and everything, hey, kids, guess what? Wolverine's a killer. Always has been, always will be, you know? That's it. But, um, it won't do it. You know, I mean, you have the heroes, you gotta have the villains. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I mean, another thing on remakes, I mean, I agree with you guys. They don't really have an original thought in their brains nowadays. They're just making, milking things for everything that's fucking worth now. It is unfortunate, man. It's like, Anderson, Anderson's rage is well said. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if movie companies sit in a room with like a fish, a fish bowl full of, of little pieces of paper, and they just dip their hand in there and they pull one out and they go, flip, flip. oh look at that, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Let's go ahead and remake that one. There you go. I wouldn't doubt it. Hey, how, yeah, we, how much could we? How much could we do that for? Oh, we could do that for uh, you know fifteen million. Oh, okay, we could make easily seventy-five off of that. Well, let's do that. Yeah, I'm but surprised. you know, downside is they're going to have about mm, a lot of pissed off fans being on the door going. Yeah, you guys are fucking morons. Please stop. Don't worry. There's one last bit of of news for the out, and you guys will enjoy that. Anything else, Uh, O'Malley? No, that's it, brother. All right, brother. Thanks for the call, as always. Appreciate it. No problem. No problem, bro. Thanks. All right. We got one more in there. Yo, what's up? You're on the air. Yo. Ed, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Long time. Say hello to my little friend. I miss that. <laughs> Welcome back, my friend. What do you got? You always call in when the fucking nuts are hanging super low. We got like six minutes. What do you got? Well, you mentioned Predator, and you remember, you know what? I was talking about Predator, so I'm going to go on a rant with that. Well, not really a rant, but, you know, speculation spree. Well, well um, what do you but, think? I mean, I know you had a lot of hate towards the trailer. I mean, I put the sneak peek on the site. I got the official trailer, which is probably going to go up within the hour. Um, I mean, I know you hate it, but I'm more than sure that you're not going to be able to to give it justice in five minutes. But when I put the trailer up, man, you better fucking write something good for it. (laughs) Yes? No? You still there? Hold on one second. Is Ant putting me on fucking hold? I'm going to go to fucking Philly and castrate him. <laughs> what is he doing? Don't you hate no, that? No, I'm, I'm here now, dude. I had, I had to go to a different room. Um, ah, okay. No, I, no you're going to have the uh, the new trailer playing pretty soon, like in an hour, you said, so I'm going to check that out. But what I saw from the sneak, peek, it, the sneak peek, it was just, I don't know, like probably like watching the original trailer from the first movie, and I'm like, this is not what I want to be watching when I go to the theater again, like, I could just watch my DVD if I want to see that same crap. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Yeah, also, like, they were showing those sketches and, and stuff with the, with the four-legged thing, and I'm like, what the hell is this thing? It's not what we have ever seen from Predator and stuff. So I really don't know what to expect with this. And obviously you might have seen the trailer, the new one, and I haven't seen it yet. So 
I didn't even know there was going to be a new trailer until like another six months or so. Yeah, I'll um when I put it up, you'll see uh you'll see and may, maybe your opinion will change. And I think I also got a picture of what the predator looks like, and I think you'll be more more satisfied with that. Yeah, from from the little like quick one second flash they had of it, it just didn't seem like it was. I don't know, but they they, they were saying they were going to go for how the original concept looked before they they decided to settle with the new design. And if you if you watch the behind the scenes from the original Predator, it looked like some kind of a bug, like an insect, and then they changed it to look more like a person. So if, they, if they're going to go back and make it look like that, which I'm assuming they're not, because you seem to be excited enough, and if you're excited, then then it's not going to be that bad. Because I, mean, I, I know your taste in movies is kind of like mine. Yeah, you know me. I don't shit on things too bad. But um, like I said, I'll probably put it up within the next hour because I'm not going to go to sleep. But um, we got four minutes, so I'm going to just uh, wrap it up. I know I, it's unfortunate I got to cut you off because I missed having you call in, dude, but there's just a couple of things left, all right? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I guess I'll call in next week. You got it, buddy. Thanks again. Later. Yeah, all right, boys. The last bit of uh, information is that according to Neil Patrick Harris's Twitter, Hank Azaria will be playing Gargamel in the Smurfs. <laughs> How's that for an out? <laughs> That's a great way to end it. Oh, yeah, but here's the best part. Uh, one of the girls from Glee is going to play Neil Patrick Harris's wife, and the film is pretty much going to center around the Smurfs invading their life, lives and complicating things for them. And the best part is, you know, Jonathan Winters is going to come back to the Smurfs franchise and voice Papa Smurf. But here's where wow. it gets better. Katy Perry is voicing Smurfette. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Anderson. Alan Cumming is voicing uh, Gutsy Smurf, and George Lopez is voicing Grouchy Smurf. <laughs> Dude, we are doomed. I hope that the Cataclysm of 2012 happens before that abomination comes out, which it's not because it comes out August 3rd, 2011, so we'll still be alive to see it. I don't. I yeah. <laughs> I like that. You did an Anderson. You're like I got I, nothing. I right, which means I got. I can't say that. Shit. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No. Uh. Come on. They need something. It, 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 it's, it's the Smurfs. What's next? The Manchi cheese. Yeah. The Littles. It's uh whatever. Sylvanian families and the strawberry shortcakes, dude. I don't know. I mean, well, they'll do whatever that you know. The, it was a it was a successful franchise. They'll they'll try and do something with it, but I don't. You know, is there really going to be a story there? Maybe it'll be like a it'll be a kind. Blog Talk Radio hates me. <laughs> they really do hate me. But um, yeah, the uh, the Smurfs is going to be a clusterfuck of epic proportions. So I figured I'd share that with you guys right. before we wrap it up. But um, Fair before enough. we close, before we close it out, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to thank you guys. You can catch all of Kevin's shows, but you can catch Video Game News and the uh, Cleveland Sports Radio Sunday nights, right? Video Game News That's at right. eight, CSR at ten, and you can catch Don's show Tuesdays at ten p.m. The English lady just yelled in my ear that I got ninety seconds. You've been listening to my Take right. Radio episode thirty-five. Uh, for Thursday, March 18th, 2010, catch me on Twitter, My Take Radio, or go to the Facebook fan page. Uh, 
facebook.com slash mytakeradio. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Don. We'll have, we got to do this again soon, boys. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. It's a great show, man. You, thanks, guys. You did a great job. You guys rock. Thanks. You know I'll be there. All right, boys. Peace. Take it easy. Cool. Later. All right, that concludes episode 35 and all the cutoffs that have happened. Uh, I, I think I got disconnected three times. Um, definitely a lot of stuff getting fixed in post-production. There's 42 seconds left. Shout out to, of course, videogamenews.com. You can go to vgnradio.com. You can also go to clevelandsportsradio.net. You can also go to Tumbling with Tumbleweeds fan page, show your support, become a fan, facebook.com, look for TWT. Um, that's pretty much it. Let me wrap this up before Block Talk Radio decides to give me the boot again. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Don, for calling in. Um, all the callers tonight, I appreciate everything. I will catch you guys next week. Peace.